Hope. Talk to recorded, recorded live. live. Um, my clock says it's 7.33 p.m. It's June 9th, 2016, and I am up in Bangor, Maine. Um, the weeks are whipping by. I say that every week, but it's true. It seems like we were just here. And the time is also speeding up in the larger world, I notice. Because everywhere you turn, you can't even you can't even keep track of it. And there have been some other time periods like that, actually. But um, lately, it's like you know, I turn on the radio and I hear something. Then I get online and I hear something, and I look on Facebook and I see something else, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know which one to go towards, which thing to focus on, what to read about, or whatever. And um, I feel kind of sorry for the people that are just starting out on this uh, research journey because they wouldn't even know where to begin. I, I can't even imagine it. But those of us that have been doing it for several years, we know kind of which things that we can ignore for a little while and which things are kind of like urgent, like they're really showing something that's happening as we speak. And um, that's what's going on now. So actually, even with all the stuff going on, it's, it's almost easier in a way because it's it's going into categories in my mind. Is it um, corruption? Is it something to do with the political candidates? Is it something to do with banking? What exactly does this new fact relate to? And, um, you know, we've spent a lot of time going over the, you know, the historical aspects of everything and figuring out how all these things came to be and all those things are very interesting, but in my viewpoint, a lot of them don't matter anymore. They're like, you know, they're. We know how it happened. Now we need to do something about it. I'm like hearing myself snorting into my microphone. I think that I had a windscreen that fell off just a minute. So when I breathe on it, it's giving me an odd sound. Are you hearing it? Okay. This is a little better. All right. Pulled it out of my pocket or whatever and it fell off. Okay. So the thing that I was going to start with is um, what I noticed this morning, which was a new piece that was up on Neil Keenan's website. Um, All along I've been saying, you know, if you read widely and you watch things widely, a lot of times you'll be able to put two and two together, even if the entire thing may not be accurate. Maybe just a piece of it's accurate. Maybe all it is showing you is that somebody's covering something up or who they're aligned with. But <laughs> to me, it all works together. So anyway, this was one of the things that I saw today. It was just put up today, actually. So neilkeenan.com. The update today, the challenge to uncover your corporate identity. Now, many of us already know that there's a corporate identity, and it's represented by our name written all in capital letters, and that it was done to uh, monetize us, basically put us under some type of uh, legal fiction so that we could be exploited financially. And um, so we become like you know something that can be traded, and it is like slavery. So <laughs> this is just another piece of that. It's... Um, confirmation in some areas, and also there might be some new things in here that may or may not be true. Like I say, take everything with a grain of salt. Use your own judgment, your own experience. Look into it further if you're interested. And otherwise, that's 
as far as I go. I don't know everything, obviously. Nobody can. <laughs> Nobody can know everything. Thank God for that, actually, because <laughs> it would be way too much. But we certainly have brains, and we were given these brains to use, not to just have them, well, as one of our teachers used to tell us, your head's not just for a hat rack. They say, use your head for something besides a hat rack. And there's some people right now that that's all they do is use it as a hat rack. Okay. The challenge to uncover your corporate identity, the Keenan team and King Farouk. Let's take the proceedings up a few notches for the Group K website community, and it's a Keenan thing, Facebook group, along with other concerned citizen slaves around the world, and look toward uncovering our corporate identities. We have some members with smarts, but if we can move them on up to becoming private investigators, mag magnum-sized PIs even, it will provide us with more eyes and ears on the ground globally to shake the whole rickety, crooked corporate structure. I don't know about you guys, but I'm for shaking the rickety, crooked corporate structure. Just as you can read between the lines of newspapers on any given day, you can discover clues and truths slipped by slipped in by the powers that be. If you look hard enough in terms of what is actually going on, additionally, you will find that pertinent disclosure information can also be found in movies. One exceptional example in terms of a movie revealing the hidden side of the financial world is the classic film, The Wizard of Oz. Follow the yellow brick road. The following extracts are from a commentary of The Wizard of Oz, which is the real meaning of the film. As such, The Wizard of Oz was an allegory for the new state of affairs in America in the 1930s following the stock market crash and manipulated withdrawal of the money supply that led to the factual bankruptcy of the United States government following immediately thereafter. Just a minute, I need a drink. <clears throat> After the bankruptcy, Kansas was no longer just plain old Kansas. It was now KS, an artificial corporate venue of the bankrupt United States, newly established federal territory, part of the federal zone, and Dorothy and Toto were in this state now. On her journey in this unfamiliar land, Dorothy meets up with three unusual characters, each having a different problem or challenge as portrayed on the silver screen but their true identity has been decoded and it follows. The first was the scarecrow, a man of straw, a front, and he identified his straw man persona for Dorothy. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Of course, I am not bright about doing things. And in his classic song, If I Only Had a Brain, the scarecrow straw man succinctly augured, I'd unravel every riddle for every individual, individual, in trouble or in pain. And there's the picture of the straw man money credit. It's, a it's like a picture, cartoon kind of thing, logo. Today, in light of redemption, we would translate it as, once one discovers that his straw man exists, all political and legal mysteries, complexities, and conditions are resolved or understood. And if one takes legal title, control, of his straw man, he becomes the authorized representative of the straw man, able to accept and discharge, settle all commercial affairs, as in Oz, the new commercial world, a.k.a. the Matrix. This is because the straw man has no brains and no hands nor fingers by which to grasp a pen in order to write a check, 
so to speak, to pay a fine, fee, tax, or debt. The second character was the TIN man or TIN man, also identified as taxpayer identification number. The tin man was a hollow man of metal, a vessel, a vehicle. These were at the time newly created commercial code words for the straw man. Just like the scarecrow, the tin man had no brain and no heart. Both were artificial persons. One of the definitions of tin in Webster's Dictionary is counterfeit. The tin man also represented the mechanical and heartless aspect of commerce and commercial law. Just like they say in the mafia, it's nothing personal, it's just business. And in another line of work not dissimilar similar to the mafia, the business of lawyering. They have the attitude that it's nothing personal. Business is business. The heartless tin man also carries an axe, the traditional symbol for God. For example, modern commercial law in most earlier dominant civilizations, including fascist states. In the words of the tin man expressing relief after Dorothy had oiled his rusty points and parts, said, I've held that axe up for ages. The word ace is etymologically, etymologically related to the word axe. And in a deck of cards, the only one above the king is the ace. For example, God. One of the axis powers of World War II Italy was a fascist state. The symbol for fascism is the the fasces, I think it's called, fasces, fasces, a bundle of rods with an axe bound up in the middle and its blade projecting. The fasces may be found on the reverse side of the American Mercury head dime in Roman deity. Mercury was the god of commerce. It can also be found on the wall behind and on each side of the speaker's podium in the U.S. Senate. Each gilded species is approximately six feet in height, and at the base of the U.S. Senate are two crossed species. Then it shows a picture of the president standing at, well, the, the fake president. He's, in my opinion, not eligible, but he's been there for eight years almost. So, picture of Obama and uh, like Biden and what's his name there? I can see him, and all I can think about is crying. See how that works. I know his name, too, but I can't forget. Boehner, that's it. And also, there's a um, drawing of the the other facies to show what they look like. <clears throat> the third character that Dorothy met was the cowardly lion or king of beasts, and as the most feared of all animals in the jungle, was lacking in courage. The lion is symbolic of the once fearless American people who have since lost their courage. Yes, there are a lot of hot talkers out there. Just listen to your local radio talk shows. American men love to talk, but not many have the courage to do a damn thing. The American people are scared of the corporate federal system and local revenue collectors, for example, cops and judges, in their so-called courtrooms, tribunals of justice, commerce. That's uh, tribunals in parentheses and commerce in parentheses, but meaning that um, that's where they're collecting money off the people. After your first few encounters with the just us, system, believing there was justice in the court, you probably lost some of your courage too, and you may have not known it, but the IRS, or insert your country's tax department name here, has been dealing with only your straw man, debtor, strictly under the laws of commerce, and they are just like the tin man, heartless. After Dorothy and her three companions made their way to Oz, they had learned that they had to go see the wizard. In order to find the wizard, They had to just follow the yellow brick road. 
road, gold is known as yellow bricks, and are melted into ingots, ingots. All one has to do is follow the trail of America's stolen gold, and you will find the thief who stole it. Between 1916 and 1933, most of America's gold was rounded up by the privately owned Federal Reserve Banks and shipped off to the Fed owners in England and Germany. The reason for this was that Federal Reserve notes could be redeemed in gold, and the use of Federal Reserve notes carried an interest penalty that could only be paid in gold. The American people were defrauded into trading their gold for worthless paper with green ink on it, and our previous currency, the United States notes, carried no such interest requirement, but such was the bargain that came with the Federal Reserve notes. The reason why JFK was murdered was because he was reissuing United States notes interest-free. Go to any coin store and see or buy a 1963 U.S. not Federal Reserve note. Take notice of where it reads, United States note, not Federal Reserve note. When the bankruptcy was declared in 1933, Americans were required, misdirected, to turn in all gold coinage, gold bullion, gold certificates by May 1st, May Day, the birthday of communism in Bavaria in 1776, the birthday of the IRS, and celebrated worldwide as the International Workers' Holiday, a holy day to the wizard and his tribe. You can read more about the Wizard of Oz analogy here, and it has a link. What about other countries? Most of our attention has been focused on what was happening in the United States and the United States Incorporated, and not on the rest of the countries of the world. So let's take a few moments and look around at where each of us lives. Start by looking at your driver's license, national identity card, passport, car registration, house and land titles, and generally anything that your government has issued to you. In all incorporated countries, your name will be in capital letters. That tells you that your government has created a straw man, straw woman, in your given name, and that it now considers you to be a slave and in the United States and in the U.S an enemy of the corporate state. I went back and said U.S. because that's what's actually written. And apparently, United States of America, United States, whether you capitalize it or not, these are all different things. So I wanted to make sure I said U.S. Now, this is a rude awakening for most people. Now go out and tell all your friends and people you meet to look at their documents to see their names in capital letters, too, and tell them what that means is they, too, are slaves to the corporate government New World Order. Remember that as slaves, you own nothing. Look closely at all deeds and title documents, and you will probably find that you are only a tenant, not the owner. Slaves cannot own anything. You have been scammed beyond belief. Here's the fun part. Now that you know that your country is run by a corporation and CEO, not presidents or prime ministers, under Admiralty USCC Commercial Law, you need to find out who owns the corporation. This may take some digging. Many Catholic countries are owned by the Vatican, which owns the crown in London, City of London, a corporation, and thus many Commonwealth countries are domiciled there. Some are registered in island tax havens, while others may have been incorporated locally. The UN was set up by the French government, and the UN owns the IMF, which owns the United States of America, Inc., which is bankrupt, as are many other incorporated countries. Now all corporations have shareholders, so who are they? They also must have a board of directors, so who are they? 
Now, if you can find out this, things will get very interesting indeed. How about the corporation's annual balance sheet and profit and loss statements? All corporations have to file these statements somewhere, perhaps the UN. If there is a debit, there must be a credit. This is what the collateral accounts are all about. The Bank of International Settlements, BIS, is supposed to facilitate balances between countries. Can you find this information? You may also have fun digging into who owns your central bank. Dig deep and you will probably find that it is a banking cartel controlled by the Rothschilds or their local stooges, Knights Templar or of Freemasons or bar members, but not by your country's citizens. Do your research. Find out the truth. It will shatter any complacency. This example details an investigation into the corporate government of New Zealand. And it has another link. It's, it's in green, so you can see that it's a link. Now comes an even more fun part. Let's create a database of these crooks and slavers. It's time to expose them. You and the rest of the world have a right to know. Let's broadcast it. Shame on them. Let's add them to the Group K no-fly list. That's also a link. A link. We need the assistance of all of you in exposing this global scam, so start asking questions of your so-called government. It all has to be on record somewhere. And if not, or if it cannot prove the legitimacy, then they are illegal, unlawful, and you should be brought to a corporate and should be brought to a corporate court, international court of justice, to be charged with fraud along with many other legal infringements. So please join in the fun and share your findings for your country, state, county county, city, or whatever they claim to have incorporated, name the culprits, shine the spotlight on them, tell them the jig is up, and then read Judge Anna's postings on how to reclaim your corporate name into your name. She has shared a step-by-step -step process by which to do this. There are also many other ways of tracking back the trust. I mean, there are also other ways of tracing back the trust that your government set up in your name and the credit balance that is there. In the U.S., this is done using your Social Security number that can be traced back to your trust number, an account that is listed on the New York Stock Exchange. On the front side of your Social Security card is your public side account identity, and on the reverse side of this card is a red serial number signifying your private side, hiding your Social Security trust account, which creates the money bonds that the bank gets and then turns into their money credit, which they loan to you, a corporation, franchise, or to their Fortune 500 corporations. I bet you didn't know that, huh? Dig, dig, dig. Other countries may use your ID number and list your trust overseas somewhere. Find it. Just keep asking the right questions. Put the pressure on them. And you may just find that there is a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. Good luck to all of you, you magnum-sized PIs. Neil Keenan, Group K, and King Farouk. Then there's a picture of Tom Selleck in a red car. And then there's a, If I Only Had a Brain, the Wizard of Oz movie clip. That is the latest at neilkeenan.com. And I see Valium already put that there. Um, so let's see. Um, let's see. Stupid talk shoe, Valium says, yep. Interesting that we have Dottie right here, and I'm assuming that Dottie is Dorothy because most Dotties are Dorothy. Although my mother-in-law was a Doris, and she was Dottie. But most of the time, Dorothy. We're not in Kansas anymore. 
Um, Dottie has put some links in there that relate to the same type of thing. Desert Pete says, Comedian John Oliver's fantastic expose on the American bill collection fraud. Well, John Oliver is on my list tonight as well. So let me see if I have that. It wasn't that exact same thing, but it was something that was kind of bothering me because I'm tired of the kinds of things that are said that are partly true and they make a joke out of it and everybody believes it and runs on with it. Um, I don't think it's fair, but I don't really know John Oliver that much, so I'm not going to say too much about it. But let me see if I can get this to play. I saw this on someone's Facebook. They thought it was a big hoot and holler because it was against our governor. So let me see if I can get it going here for you. That will give me a chance to drink a lot of water, too. Something else. 
that comment is not politically correct. But we've got to understand who this man is. This man is a bad person. As a result of his mouth-forming words, Paul LePage is in a near-constant state of apology. Governor LePage is apologizing. The governor apologized. Governor Paul LePage met with Jewish community leaders this morning to apologize again. I do apologize for, for offending anyone, particularly the lawyers. I apologize to Paul Governor LePage apologizing to the son of a Bangor Daily News political cartoonist. LePage sent Nick Danby a handwritten letter apologizing for joking that he wanted to shoot Danby's father. That is a weird letter to receive. Sorry, I said I wanted to shoot your dad. Love the gun. And yet Paul LePage insists there's a rational explanation for everything he said in his career. I'm sorry. I am not like you guys. I am not polished speaker, but I have a heart. You can take the kid off the street, but you can't take the street out of the kid. I may not be very articulate, because I can't take the street. Squeezing a toy pig doesn't prove you're from the streets. It proves you're a three-year-old boy named Toby. But Paul LePage does have a point. He's not one of those politicians who will think one thing and say another. He'll always tell you exactly what's on his mind, no matter how horrifying it is. And that is why Paul LePage is, incredibly, a person who somehow got elected. Well, there. So, <clears throat> thing is that Paul LePage is extremely popular with <laughs> the people that voted him in. We love it. And most of that stuff was not even true. It was more votes than any other governor in the history of Maine. And in and because the um, opposing party doesn't like the fact that he's in his second term because he was doing what the people of Maine mostly wanted, not the uh, elitists, but the regular people, um, <laughs> the normal working people, um, now they want to do something called ranked choice voting, which is to allow for um, second choices, third choices, et cetera. We've talked about that before, too and um, have put forth a referendum for that. <clears throat> I think LePage would have won anyway, regardless, but I think ranked choice voting is a mistake. But I'm not on that page at all. Okay, um, let's see. Um, and Desert Pete, I wasn't meaning to criticize you. It just reminded me because I don't know John Oliver. I don't watch those things. But that had showed up on someone's Facebook page that hates Governor LePage and thinks that that is just an hysterically funny piece. We have seen a lot of um, similar types of um, humor, quote unquote, on the late night talk shows to the point where we almost can't stand to even turn them on anymore. Um, I believe Obama is going to be on Jimmy Fallon tonight, um, and that is like, I thought he was going to be on last night, so we didn't watch it because we were afraid we might suddenly see him and not be able to go to sleep. So. <laughs> I guess it's tonight. So anyway, in that little piece that I just played you, um, the story about Nick Danby came up again, which was a student who goes to Bangor, went to Bangor High School, he's just graduated, um, who stood up at an, an appearance by the governor at Darago Boys State when the governor was addressing the boys there. Um, I think I talked about that when it happened, too. And during the course of 
see students asking questions of the governor. Nick, Dan Nick Danby stood up and asked a question about the news media. And during the course of that exchange, he said, what do you think of George Danby, which is Nick Danby's father? It was like a setup. I mean, it was, for those of us who follow this stuff, it was pretty obvious that he didn't just spontaneously ask that question out of curiosity. It was so the governor would say what he said, which is basically, I'd like to shoot him. Um, and so it wasn't like, you know, a, it wasn't like the governor said, I'd like to shoot your father. George Danby does a lot of really negative political cartooning with the governor as his target. Um, there's more going on regarding this group of people in Maine who, you know, as Dottie knows and a lot of people know that live here, we see the same people showing up in various stories. And it's like probably with any state, it's just as obvious in ours, we see it easier. Nick Danby was the speaker for the commencement for Bangor High School this past weekend. And I think I saved the link for that. The high school graduation in Bangor could not take place at the Civic Center because the Civic Center had a show going on for several days, which was Cirque du Soleil. Some of you may have seen it before. Very famous performing group. Um, and they had booked over the date when Bangor High School would be graduating. So the students graduated in Orono at Alfond Arena, which is a hockey arena at the University of Maine. And they had um, a little piece in the newspaper. I'll find that now because it relates to another one of my, I told you all my stuff just kind of swirls around because it keeps connecting in various ways. There's like, um, you know, when you're dot connecting, you see this, and then there's this other thing that happens. And with me, sometimes there's so many of them in one day that they circulate around a few times, and I have to try to figure it out. But I think this is the most logical way to go if my computer cooperates. Because the other thing that happened right before I came on tonight was my computer was working at 100% capacity when nothing was running. So I did a scan. See if I can fix that. <coughs> for a minute because I don't think I kept that link. This is how people keep showing up in and out of stories, okay? That's what I'm trying to show right now. Go into the search page of this. Last week, I believe, I talked to you about the boy who um, had used a Hitler quote and they had to put stickers on the yearbooks because they wanted to block out the Hitler quote of this child. I believe I talked about it last week. Um, that went onto the national news. That's wonderful how Maine gets known by all this ridiculous stuff. And I'm sitting here watching this. I mean, so close that I could actually go over and talk to these people. So it just sometimes it blows my mind. Okay, so this was the story. It was uh, June 5th, so it was last, was that last Saturday? I think so. My map, my um, calendar here. Not sure what day of the week it was. Um, 
graduation, I believe, was on a Saturday, June 5th. Posted on June 5th. Um, Bangor High's graduation bumped out of town because Queen City is so cool. They call our city the Queen City. And I think it was because of the water tower that is an old historic water tower that has lights around the top of it, so it forms a crown. I'm not sure that's the reason it's named the Queen City, but a lot of people think it is because it looks like it wears a crown. Someday I'll look that up too and I'll let you know. So um, Kevin Haggerty told his fellow Bangor High School graduates Sunday during commencement, so it was Sunday, sorry, that having the ceremony outside the Queen City for the first time anyone can remember was a sign of how hip Bangor has become. In fact, Bangor's gotten so cool that the class of 2016 was bumped out of the Cross Insurance Center for Cirque du Soleil, he said to his graduating class, which numbered 270, and family and friends at the Alphonse Arena ceremony. It was announced in March that graduation would be held at Alphonse Arena at the University of Maine because the final performance of OVO would not end until 5 p.m. and graduation started at 4 p.m. The first event held at the Cross Insurance Center after it was completed in 2013 was Bangor High's graduation ceremony. They call our Civic Center the Cross Insurance Center. Doesn't make any sense. Everybody thinks it's an insurance-owned building. Um, so then they're, you know, they're talking about the graduation, blah, 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 blah. And then um, after it goes down a ways, it says, as class president Nick Danby also addressed his fellow seniors, he urged them to embrace the societal and political changes their generation is in the midst of, no matter how difficult. And then this is a quote, but changes everywhere, he said. It is always existed, yet for the thousands of years of civilization, while we have always recognized that change is a good thing, for some reason we will still naturally recoil at the thought of it. It seems like it is human nature to, re to revel in the status quo. We cannot. Graduate Danby, whose father is Bangor Daily News cartoonist George Danby, even mentioned a statement Maine's governor made to him at Boys State last year. Governor LePage told me that he wanted my father, the political cartoonist for the Bangor Daily News, to be shot, erased from the panel. So when I said thanks for being here, Dad, earlier, I didn't mean thanks for just showing up. I meant thanks for ducking. The governor later apologized for the remark. It was a special graduation for Bangor High, High Principal Paul Butler. This is the last class I will have any tether to from when I was an elementary school principal. Fairmont graduates, you know who you are. Fairmont serves students in grades four and five on Bangor's west side. Haggerty will attend the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. in the fall. Nick Danby will attend Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Both plan to study political science. Okay, so I was reading that, and it made me really upset. Well, there were a bunch of things that made me upset. Number one was that the kids that went to Bangor High School didn't get to graduate in their own town when they graduated in 2016 because of commercial interest in an arena and civic center that was paid for by taxpayers that is called Cross Insurance Center. I love the fact that Cirque du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil came here, and don't get me wrong. However, I feel that when you have a civic center in a city and the taxpayers have paid for it, there's a few things that should take place there, which is 
events that are annual, and one of them is graduation for high school if it doesn't fit in the high school. To me, they could graduate at the high school. But to go to Orono to graduate and think that because they're so cool is ridiculous. That's like brainwashing these kids, in my opinion. That's number one. The second thing was they didn't have their valedictorian and salutatorian speeches like a lot of high schools have done historically, like forever. They had essays that were submitted and then chosen as to who would speak. Nick Danby obviously is, in my opinion, from looking at the things that have been going on regarding that family, somebody that's being groomed to be used. He's a student. He's a child, basically, a teenager. And I feel about the same way about this as I did about Pierre-Luc Bouchard when I was talking about him last week. Um, not being thought of as a teenager that should be protected and taught, but being thought of as a useful um, issue generating, speech making, um, I don't know what else you call it. Like uh, I'm trying to think, putting the adults at the forefront as though they're some type of great saviors of all of the community's thoughts moral issues, what I don't even know. I can't get the words out right now, but it, it's just infuriating to me. They didn't protect that kid. Anyway, so I looked in the comments on this story because I was interested in it, for one thing. Nick Danby, at the time when he asked the question at Darigo Boys State, and it was all over the newspapers about how his father, the governor wanted to shoot his father, the governor apologized to him and he accepted it. And in my mind, and most people I believe who have normal values of right and wrong, that's when it's done. You don't keep bringing it up after that. I thought it was ridiculous on that level. I also thought it was ridiculous that these speeches were chosen, and that means that somebody said it was okay for him to give that speech. Okay, just have that in your mind for a minute because I have something to add to that too. I'm just really tired of the attacks on the governor. Can you tell? This has been going on since, what, 2013, was it? 2012, 2013, I'm not even sure now which, which year it was. 2014, I guess, in the summer when it all started with that Mike Tipping junk that was published and went from there. Everybody believes everything the Bangor Daily News tells them, even if they say they don't, because it keeps being repeated so it gets gets entrenched in everyone's thought processes, even if when they first heard it, they didn't believe it. When they hear it repeated over and over again, they start to believe it because they've heard it so many times from so many directions. Um, somebody had written in here somewhere. I don't know if I can find it again. Um, oh, here's, here's one of the comments that I... Somebody that was there, old Bangor boy wrote, it's too bad people who weren't at the graduation are commenting negatively. If anyone had watched the speech or even fully read the article, the LePage remark was a 15-second joke in an eight-minute speech, which was about putting away politics and try to embrace positive change. If I remember correctly, young Danby used examples to show that regular people were better leaders than those in government. 
sad to see that his remark about a poor event for LePage is ruining a great speech. Does anyone remember how well he diplomatically handled the conflict with our governor? Here's a look for you. And then there's a link. Last year, he was well-respected from members of both parties for how he handled the situation. And Bouchard was at the graduation. It became quite quiet when he walked on. That is, to me, showing again that some people get to have the privileges and some people get to be treated badly. And so I decided I was going to go and take a look at Mr. DMB's Facebook page. So I went over to Nick Danby right now and take a look. Nick Danby is, you know, one of those kids that looks like very smart from, you know, all the kids that I've ever had contact with in school. He looks like he's, some, you know, what we would have called a brainiac, a bright kid, probably a little quirky, a little different. Um, he writes on here, political guru, actor, national debate champ, Harvard 2020, Danby 2040, attorney law clerk at the law offices of Joseph Baldacci. See how we go around in circles? So he's helping at the law offices of Joseph Baldacci, who is very active in the Democratic Party um, and is brother of the former governor. I just feel that, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain it other than to say that when someone is young and you see people who are using them in a political way, it isn't always a, a step up sometimes it's to corral this person so that they can use them. And I, it, it's sad to me to see it. I'm not mad at him. He's a, he's a teenager. But I am upset with the people around him, which includes the school administrators, for having him get up and make a speech. Wasn't even the valedictorian, president of the class, but not the valedictorian. As far as I know, I don't know who the valedictorian is. To make a speech that included, you know, giving another another slam at the governor, not right to me. That doesn't make any sense. So then we go down here. Okay, who are his friends? Let's click on his friends. Andy Parkinson. That's the person that does the. Uh, um, I believe it's called Progressive Warehouse. We've talked about that website before. She goes and um, videotapes some of the live uh, meetings, hearings, things like that, and posts them on the Progressive site. Uh, Matt Dunlap, who's the Secretary of State. Jeff Curlin, who's a photographer that takes pictures of everybody in, I want to say in friggin' America, but that's not a swear word here. But um, takes pictures of all kinds of people and identifies them. And I'm talking about like, I first um, really noticed this man because New Year's Eve, like two years ago, he was downtown during the New Year's celebrate New Year's Eve celebrations and had posted like hundreds of pictures. And they were just, you know, like couples and small groups of people face on photographs with names so that it looks like they're making their own identification book of everybody who's somebody. And it is 
I mean, there's lots of pictures of him with people, with politicians, etc. I believe he um, does official photography for, you know, maybe newspapers and things like that. I'm not sure exactly if he's independent or if he works for some other group. But I see him connected all kinds of ways with all kinds of different people. I'm extremely suspicious of that person just because of it, just because of where he shows up and the kinds of comments he makes. Um, these are these are people that wouldn't be his Nick Danby's contemporary, if, if you know what I mean. These aren't people that would hang out with teenagers. So, you know, what is the deal? Emily Kane is on here as a friend. He actually has Pierre Luc Bouchard near the top, so that's interesting. Jeff McCabe, um, very, you know, much talked about Democrat. I'm not sure if he's still holding one of the leadership positions in the um, legislature, but I believe he is. Um, Mark Eve. I'm going down through to see if I recognize any other names. Steve Robbins, very well known. Uh, I don't know if he's retired now, but he was like a marketing type person. Uh, some of our local politicians that we've had, some that are maybe not still in office, I'm not sure, Ben Sprague, Carrie Weston. Um, there's quite a few now I'm going down through. There's quite a few now that I'm not recognizing. So I was looking at near the top. So I don't know. I, I've seen some some things like this in the past, not very frequently. But when I saw, when I first looked at Nick Danby's things to see, you know, what he might be doing or writing or where he was working and saw him with a picture with Joe Baldacci. I was like, okay, now I, I can see some of the other connections here. Because we keep saying that we know that the Bangor Daily News is actively hearing at the governor daily. And a lot of the is that Mike Tipping is probably writing the editorials because they've taken a different tone. They used to be more um, moderate, and lately they're out and out like attack pieces. Newspapers don't usually do attack-style journalism in their editorials. So the writing style is you know, kind of leaning towards that could be Mike Tipping doing them too. So it's just something that we're watching here. I don't know if it's going on in your state, the same type of thing, but it just keeps going around and around in circles here, no matter what you do. Like right now, I opened up the Bangor Daily News front page online. What's right there? Confronted at Town Hall, LePage says, I am not a racist. They've had him in the defensive mode for quite a long time because it's relentless, the attacking of him. And I don't agree with every word that ever comes out of his mouth either, but I've also seen an awful lot of uh, really hateful stuff directed in his direction. They expect him to just be able to just keep brushing it off. After a while, people believe it if you don't respond. You have to respond to that stuff. You can't just be attacked forever and, and never say anything. And I see the same stuff happening in the national arena as well. So anyway, I am just... Uh, rambling there for a minute. Sorry about that. 
Okay, so I went off there on a tangent. I know a sideline. So Neil Keenan, I did. And then the second thing was, uh, blah, blah. oh, um, was related to LePage and everything. I kind of jumped ahead because of John Oliver being mentioned. All right, so today I also was listening to Mike Gill, which is the person in New Hampshire that we talked about before. Um, he has been still putting out some more videos regarding um, what's going on over there in New Hampshire, and it's just blowing my mind that he is out there with everything. I mean, he is talking about every single person by name. He's talking about the courts and everything else, and um, trying to get somebody to do something about it. Well, I don't know. I don't know how um, a person that even approaches some of these multi-level aspects of corruption. Um, what I'm saying is when you have a, a problem that has so much complexity to it that there is no one place that you can enter into it, which is how I feel his problem is, is also how my problem is, why people say, you know, well, why haven't you addressed this or... or how do you think you're going to get anywhere with that? The reason is because when you went into it, you didn't realize that you were walking into something that had all these different aspects to it. Um, in a way, that's part of the reason why it is fraud, is because all the parties are not informed. And you can't be entering into a contract with other people without all the information you can't have like somebody hiding some of it from you and expect that that's actually a fair contract. So, anyway, I'll see if I can find the one that I was listening to today that I thought was really good. Um, I take the, um, I have a little tablet, and I take it around with me and in the house while I'm like, uh, cleaning, making beds, things like that. And I listen to these these um, podcasts. That's what I do with them. So when people think no one's listening to them, they should realize that some people are like me and they listen to podcasts. So here's another one. Um, um, so here's another one I'm going to play because I know people don't go and find all these things on their own. I wish they would, but I know they don't, so... It's a way to get you to get it in your head. So go get tea, coffee, drinks, whatever, and I'm going to play some of this. I don't know if I'm going to go to the complete end because it's fairly long, but I think it's important because this is where we're at now. We're at the end where the corruption is going to start coming out. It's going to be coming very fast, I believe, because as they start throwing each other under the bus, there's going to be things going on that are going to be probably stunning, I don't know if they'll be shocking, but they'll be stunning because they'll be sudden. And people will be saying, what happened there? What happened there? Well, we're going to have a little bit of an idea because we can see how these things are not just staying within one state. They're actually going out in all directions in network-type fashion. And this is just another indicator of somebody who is speaking about this stuff. So 
I'm going to start playing it. And I will also look in the chat and see if people are talking about anything important that I should answer, okay, while we're listening to it. All right. Let me know if you can't hear it. What most of you don't know is for the last five years, they've been leveraging me, Walker, Shaheen, with the IRS, the DRA, the Department of Revenue Administration in the state, the banking department, criminally, which is what I've been catching, and I haven't taken their settlement. Now, this just happened. I'm going to read you an email train. Put an offer and reaching out to me. Jim Wheat of Liberty Mutual. Right. Admitting the guilt of Divine Millimat and even calling them the largest culprits in all this. The same law firm that's representing Alex Walker. Now, these were less than two years ago, these settlement offers. And I'll step through them with you, and we're going to post them so you get to see it. So what I'm saying, telling you, you get to see the evidence just as I said we were going to keep doing. All right, well, let's start. I remember, I'm being sued by Divine, and I'm telling you that Walker's behind all this criminal with the DRA, IRS, leveraging me for my silence. Here it goes. You ready? Dear Mike, this is Brian Barrington, an attorney that I hired that has been quite corruptly working with them. I put him in the videos so you know what I'm saying. I've documented. But this is what he said. I spoke with Attorney Week. Again, we works for Liberty Mutual. Remember Carrie Lemieux that we just caught as the paralegal? Just as I caught him. You know what she applied to work for? Liberty Mutual. She was doing their dirty work, working with Barrington. And that was the payoff was a job. Now, we also have that in the email. Both with attorney we. All the attorneys have to agree to invest their time in a combined mediation that will insist that they invest their time in meeting unless you make a reasonable demand at each, each of them. Each of them, meaning many. When I say global, when I say organized crime, this is what it is, many of them. If, if I can certainly be high, but it needs to be supported in the proportion to malpractice that they cause. It certainly can be high. Remember I told you 50 million, how's that? Right, that's high. Now, why are they using the word high if their incrimination wasn't deep? In terms of the mediation, which may provide closure. Right, closure for me and closure from them. Although they get to keep robbing you, I find that even you do not settle or learn a lot of insight in the case of strengths and weaknesses. Barrington. Remember, Barrington works for them. Barrington is talking now to the attorney representing Divine Millimax. Dear insurer, Liberty Mutual. I go on. Attorney Barrington. Now, this is me speaking to Barrington. They wanted to work it out proportionally, meaning multiples. So I may settle with one and sue another, knowing this is a case of organized crime. How do you do that? You leave one rat the others out? Knowing they can't do this, I don't believe that they're sincere. Who knows better and what they have done than me. All of them. If we're going to break this out individually, we will do it in the front of a courtroom in front of jurors, on camera, for reality series. I don't know, maybe we'll call it stateofcorruption.org. And if they want, each and every one of them, what they did. We are going to release a, visual, a video now.
the settlement would be global to end all litigation. Global. Shaheen, divine millimet, these are their attorney assurances divine. The demand, however, be allocated among the parties. Certainly, remember, certainly divine firm is the lion's share of the loss. You indicated you were interested in mediation, so I conveyed the message. The lion's share of the loss is divine element? This is less than two years ago. They're representing Walker. You understand what kind of farce that is? They've already admitted their guilt, and even Divine Millimat Walker, the largest part. Now, this is my response. Brian, the settlement was to end all litigation. I mean, I let them all go. Well, this is pretty extensive considering the list that I have. You've indicated that Divine has the lion's share. I think we have a share for a lot of lions. No question, Alex Walker and Divine are guilty beyond explanation. But let's not forget to give credit to the cover team of Morris Mahoney, who is also defended by Liberty Mutual. You understand? Liberty knew about Divine Millimat. They were representing them. They were representing the, their clients of Liberty Mutual, Morris Mahoney, John Friedman. This was an insurance scam with all of them, which is how I got Morris Mahoney and Jonathan Friedman and the criminality that they covered up. CCR, who purchased Grant Thornton, Larry Schwartz, maintained falsified tax returns that made my family go through nine years of dealing with the IRS. What do you think that might be worth? Then you go through a list of the divorce attorneys who kept my divorce going for five years at the cost of my family, and five million, by the way. I remind you, you haven't, I haven't seen my daughter in seven years, and I remind you now it's nine. They knowingly put her with a mentally ill woman. The mortgage specialist was the largest mortgage brokerage firm in the country, and they intentionally ruined my reputation and the reputation of my company. This business fed my family for the next generation. So you see there's room for all, and to, together they even have a moral, moral second to take a look at what they've done. You see? This is negotiation. This is an admittance of their guilt, all their guilt. Dear Mike, I've explained to Jim Wheat that until you come to the table willing to, to offer anything, these collections of claims are too complex for individuals' demands. It is unethical for me to say to show up and release the videos. Lawyers are not allowed to threaten extrajudicial remedies. From what it is worth, Wheaton said, that he understands, and he now will get back to us. He understands my position of the corruption of Liberty Mutual. Yeah, he works for Liberty Mutual. Morris Mahoney, Divine Millimat, the accountants, falsifying returns, everything that I've told you they admitted to. And I have not taken their deal because it doesn't give you the information you need and the corruption throughout the state. This was my final email back to them. As a courtesy, I'm informing you I'm attaching these emails regarding mediation to this video. They're going to go out public at 5 p.m. today. I will also coordinate my sign directly on the website. We'll display the emails. You see? I didn't take their deal. And they wanted to do it proportionally. They wanted to do it globally. Globally as though 
organized crime, and that's what we have in this state. And you tell me, how is it the same company representing Alex Walker, who they were defending, and Devine Millimat, where their own attorney is mitten guilt, and were my attorneys for over 10 years of robbing and stealing this company and ruining my family. This is why I fight. This is why we've got to stop this. So, okay. Thank you. Just, just end it, as I said. We've got to stop. So, that was Mike Kell. You know, um, almost everyone that I know of that's working on these kinds of things at this time that have actually seen things in a wider picture have had something big happen in their life where their business was destroyed, their family was destroyed, they lost a lot of assets, money. Um, kind of wonder what would happen if somebody had not had this happen, if it, if it would have been, um, if that is what causes people to wake up and decide that they need to do something about it, I don't know. But I think that once you've lost what you were working towards, what your, you know, like your reason for living is, if you've lost it, you either give up and just you know, dry up and blow away, or you do something about it so that it doesn't happen to someone else. Um, it's a big motivator in my life, I'll tell you that, because when I started to see that everything I'd worked hard for was actually helping these people to do evil, I found out later on that all these things that, you know, we were told one thing and they were doing something else in the planning stages that really existed before a lot of us were born, it it ticked me off. I mean, to say it in slang, it really did. It ticked me off. I was like, uh, no, I don't think that's going to work. And it is one of the reasons why I decided I was going to um, do everything I could. Because the more I learned about it, the more angry I became that I had helped put this in place put all these different systems in place as far as, you know, either participating in it or helping to plan and organizing it. Like, for example, helping getting the Internet into schools. That was one of them. Helping to implement the newest thing coming down the pike from the Department of Education. Um, so, you know, one of my, my jokes is, thank God that Al Gore invented the Internet because we wouldn't have been able to share these things with each other all across the world. And I think that now that we can, and many people have, it's making a huge difference. Okay, so that was Mike Gill. Keep up with Mike Gill if you can. Um, Dottie has links to all kinds of things related to state of corruption and New Hampshire and how that spreads out to other states. We've been working on some of those things by just reading up and sharing, and that's all we can do right now, unless anyone has any other ideas. Okay, um, today, well, yesterday, things are going on so fast. Like I said, yesterday, there was this, all this stuff was on all the talk shows and media everywhere about how Hillary Clinton was so proud because she was going to be the first woman 
candidate from a major party, blah, 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 and they were like practically making her into the first female god of the universe. And um, it was it was nauseating. If you saw any of that stuff, it's totally nauseating because I don't care who it is. Nobody is that wonderful that they need that much propping up and you know, sparkly lights over their heads and stuff. Um, but Howie Carr had his show on yesterday, and they were using it as um, a jumping-off point. Howie had a wonderful rant. I think it was at the beginning of his show. Yes, uh, the 8th, so that was Wednesday, yesterday. He was ranting and ranting about it, about the whole thing regarding Hillary and all that. It was so good. Um, I don't know if he keeps recordings of his previous day's shows, but that thing should have been clipped and and around, so I don't know if there is one. I almost called in. I thought it was so great. <clears throat> and I didn't used to like Howie Carr that much, but I'll tell you lately, I think he's been doing a wonderful job. Um, so he wasn't the only one. Some other people came up with different things about, you know, the first candidate to, you know, whatever. So one of them I saw on Facebook I thought was funny. Uh, what did they do with that? Did they keep that? Shoot, where is it? I have it somewhere else. See, now I don't even know where I keep my stuff anymore. I have to go looking around for it because I lose it. I can get it in just a second. Somebody had put on their Facebook today made me laugh. Because it's all, oh, it's about, oh, we had the first black president. Obama's half black. He's also half white. So he's actually the first mixed breed president, <laughs> mixed race, or whatever is politically correct to say these days. But someone here in Maine, this is what they wrote. Last night, history was made. For the first time in our 239-year-old democracy, a major political party selected as its nominee a candidate under extensive criminal investigation by the FBI. That was very cute. There were other variations people were coming up with. And they also, on Howie Carr's show yesterday, while they were playing around with that idea, they were also coming up with Donald Trump, the first candidate to ever, you know, the first candidate of a major party to... See, we're learning how to use the same stuff that they've been using all this time and no one was paying a lot of attention. We're learning how to use some of those techniques back, and it's pretty funny. Just take something they do that's really ridiculous, turn it around, and make it even more ridiculous if you can, and it's just it's really a lot of fun to do that. <clears throat> Somebody wrote to one of our representatives on her Facebook page, which was something I read. I'm not telling you where these things are only because I'm not sure whether or not all of these are public or if it's just because I have seen them because of connections that I have. So that's why I'm not giving you a, an attribution to this particular one. But I thought it was funny. Cannot believe that a Maine legislator would condone such a thread and then somebody's name. If there's anything worse than a racist, new definition equals anyone who disagrees with a leftist or a birther, so why has he sealed nearly all his records and forged a birth certificate? It's a climate change denier. Oh, I don't dispute that climate changes, but it's not all George Bush or capitalism's fault. 
I guess that makes me purely evil in the eyes of the politically enlightened Democrat voters and Obama worshippers. So as soon as you attain the power which socialists perennially lust after, you can have me taken out and shot or beheaded or gassed or whatever other kind of social justice tickles your Marxist fancy. When I see writing like that, I always have to say that. Here's another one I saw written somewhere. Don't know if it was Facebook, Godlike Productions, or where. I think it might have been Godlike Productions because I think the thread title might have been this. Democrats treat Trump supporters like they used to treat blacks. I am just noting the similarities between how Trump supporters are treated now and how Democrats used to treat blacks several decades ago. Organized, systemic, and sanctioned abuse while Democrat city officials stand by and do nothing to enforce the law. People getting cornered, spit on, and verbally abused by large violent crowds. Police standing in the background. Children refused admittance to schools simply for wearing Trump apparel. People harassed on the streets in broad daylight for wearing Trump apparel. Trump supporters told they will not be served in stores or being asked to leave. Businesses shying away from any association with Trump, even to the point of terminating employees. In short, large-scale, wholesale-level, sanctioned intimidation throughout all levels and all facets of society. This is exactly how the Democrat Party intimidated blacks right up through the late 60s. The Democrat Party has had a preoccupation with violence almost since its inception, as all leftist organizations do. In 2016, Trump is the new black. Trump supporters need to learn from this and practice the same tactics as MLK. Peaceful, nonviolent assembly marches, sit-ins of Trump supporters around the country. Let the country see the ugliness and violence of the left on their TVs every single day. Let the inherent violence of the political left rear its ugly head for all to see. Hang the leadership of that violence around the baggy, wrinkled necks of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Well, I heard that Bernie's given up, but I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. Um, I'm sure that there's some people that are starting to recognize that they're not really getting their choice in the Democratic Party either. So it'll be interesting to see how well they take it, how they twist everything around so that they can come on board and support somebody who is under investigation by the FBI. So, blows my mind, I'll tell you that. So today, well, just a little sideline, last night Bangor was a hopping place, by the way. Ringo Starr was playing at the Cross Insurance Center, which is also the Bangor Civic Center. And Dave Matthews' band was playing at the Waterfront Pavilion, which is the venue outdoors by the river. So it was a happening place yesterday. Too bad it was chilly last night. I bet they would have had more fun down there if it wasn't chilly, because it had been warm weather, but turned off cold yesterday. It's cold tonight. Um... So moving on, let's see, what else do we have here? The coolest, coolest thing today. Coolest thing. I was listening to Rush Limbaugh's show while I was out uh, running my errands. He had on a guest host today, which was Mark Stein. And 
someone called in. The man's name was Selim McAleer. I think that's how you say it, or McAleer. I had to write it down because it was too hard for me to even say the words or pronounce the words. So I'm not sure if I said them right. But this is new, so I'm thinking that if you have heard of it, I would be surprised. I had not, and I listen to a lot of stuff and read a lot of stuff because I don't want to miss anything important. This is the man's name. I'll just put it in the chat. And the website was, let's see. I went and got um, the YouTube version of this because I knew that it was easier for people to share things that were on YouTube. Um, at once. Here's the YouTube video. Clinton emails on film. Now what this person was talking about with Mark Stein on there and how I happened to find out about this was because I just happened to hear it on the radio, but God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> you know, I don't always listen, but I was today, and I think this is a fantastic idea. And it's another example of how just because you don't see things going on doesn't mean that things aren't going on. This person, Feline McCallier, is from Ireland. Um, apparently, he I didn't hear the beginning of the interview, so I don't know exactly what he said at the beginning. But um, he was talking about how the judge was saying that they were not going to release the depositions of the people working in the State Department for Hillary Clinton. And so what they decided to do was take the transcripts of the court, of the uh, depositions, and have actors reproduce the scene. So instead of doing a fictional or dramatic reenactment like people might do for a television program, they are taking the words verbatim from the deposition and putting it onto film with actors. So the first one's done. It was posted today. It's called, uh, well, it's called Clinton Emails on Film, Cheryl Mills' disposition, deposition, sorry. I don't know what her disposition is because I haven't seen Cheryl Mills. I've seen somebody portraying Cheryl Mills. Um, and there is a, uh, I'll give you the link to this, or did I already do it to the YouTube? I think I gave you the YouTube, right? Let me see if I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, there's also a um, Indiegogo page, which is a fundraising page for this. Comments in here. I listened to it today. It's 27 minutes long. It's excellent. I really enjoyed seeing it, and I can't wait to see another one. Someone just put, just listen to you on Rush Limbaugh via Mark Stein. I will be donating to you through my pal PayPal. Um, Charles Samuel says, typical going around the questions. I've seen convicts confess and answer questions quicker and fully. Bailey Beads says, it gets good at 1317. I thought the whole thing was good, actually. Um, someone else said, groundbreaking style of journalism. Keep it up. Salim however you say his name, Salim. Um, Roger, the shrubber, said, I'm sure this is important, but it's also dreadfully boring. I did not find it boring at all. 
Um, the, the thing that was interesting about it to me was that the way that he put it when he was being interviewed on, on Rush Limbaugh's show was that um, the judge was trying to cover it up and he can't cover it up this way. I mean, it, it's information that's available. So, uh, Camel Toe Joe, 69, interesting name. Way to stick it to the judges on this one. If we can't see the original Depot film, the people deserve to at least see, from what I can tell, is an accurate representation of the depositions. Just because there's an election cycle going on doesn't make this kind of information less important. It is actually more important. People need this kind of information when they're picking who is going to be the next leader of the country, not afterwards. Listen 13 says, I hope this gets to Trump. Bud K says, why are the men even there? Yeah, that was kind of funny because um, in the video, there's two men and a woman for this um, the panel that's asking the questions. And the woman is mostly doing the questioning. And on the other side, there's two lawyers, and then there's Cheryl Mills, who was chief of staff for Hillary Clinton. So it's pretty interesting. Um, it's a new type of genre that they're hoping to get started. That's why they have a GoFundMe page. I mean, an Indiegogo page. Um, let's see, it's called Clinton Emails on Film.com is the website. Clinton Emails on Film.com. If you go there, it shows the Indiegogo page right now. I think they're going to have the other page also. Um, so far, they're asking, their flexible goal was $84,000. They have $18,316 so far. Um, the situation, Hillary Clinton's staff are currently giving depositions under oath about how she got away with having her illegal private email server when conducting matters of national security. The depositions are being filmed, but Hillary's lawyers have managed to persuade the judge to block the release of the tapes in case they are used to make her look bad in the election. This is amazing and unacceptable that films showing the truth are being blocked from the American people, especially in the run-up to an election. The plan, we ha but we have a way around this. George Orwell described journalism as something somebody somewhere doesn't want published. So we are going to commit a series of acts of journalism. The deposition transcripts have been released, and we are reenacting and filming highlights of the deposition. Today, we're releasing a film of Cheryl Mills' deposition highlights using the transcript, her actual words. Cheryl Mills has worked for the Clintons for almost 30 years. She was Hillary's chief of staff at the State Department. Cheryl Mills' evidence is amazing, full of classic Clintonian evasions. She used the phrase, I don't remember or I don't recall, 189 times. This deserves to be brought to a wider audience not censored and hidden away, and we now have it on film. You can share the film with your friends by sending them to clintonemailsonfilm.com. These short videos will be the films that Hillary and her cronies don't want you to see. There will be a total of five short films, ending with Huma Abedin's deposition at the end of the month. And if the depositions uncover enough evidence, then the judge could give them permission to depose Hillary. That will be a great film. The truth, we need your help to finish the videos. The American people deserve to see what's being said in these depositions. By supporting this project, you're making a statement. Truth is more important than politics. Please choose a perk, make a contribution, spread this campaign far and wide. Tell your friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers. 
send them to Clinton emails on film.com. But send a message to Hillary and her lawyers. They can't stand in the way of the truth. Thank you for your support. Um, so far, so good. It's not shut down yet, but I don't know how long it's been up. I think that was just put up today, the one that I gave you the link to. So, thing that they're telling you to go to this other website, but I, I believe it just comes back here anyway to the Indiegogo. Click on it, see what happens. Yeah, just keeps coming back to Indiegogo. So <laughs> maybe it's for later. Um, it's good to see people here tonight. I was like getting to like 7.30 and I was like, oh, nobody's coming. I think I'll just read the Neil Keenan thing and then I'll just kind of quietly back out of the room. <laughs> just kidding. Um. And uh, I didn't get away with that. Valium came in, and she had been cooking and sat down and started us off tonight. I hope everybody's doing good. I saw that I think Valium's cats had some problems. I'll have to read back and take a look at that later. Um, let's see. What else is happening, guys? Is there anything that I should know that I have not covered? I've got other stuff on here, but it's really kind of minor stuff. Mostly what I've been doing is trying to keep my eyes and ears open because I think there's a lot happening that will be obvious in you know not that long of a time. I don't see how they can keep it undercover too much longer. Stuff's crashing. People are dying. There's all kinds of conspiracies everywhere. People are talking. Always read the comments, by the way. I've learned a lot this week from reading comments in different articles because people will start, you know, they'll start chatting about things and you get all the background and everything. Um, we had a sad thing happen in Maine this week. We had a seven-year-old child that was killed by a dog. It was a pit bull. So we've had some pit bull controversies going on. People owning dangerous dogs. That was pretty sad. Um, anything good going on? Let's think of something good. Our gardens are coming up really well. We have, um, let's see, we have potatoes up. We have uh, onions coming along. We started from steps. We have green peppers doing really well. Those were started from seedlings. Also green peppers, rhubarb, which is just a wild patch of it, mint, chives. Um, the lilacs are almost gone by now. They call them lilacs in other parts of the country, but we call them lilacs up here. Um, lilies. There's a type of lily in the backyard that's almost ready to come out if it hasn't already. It's earlier than the day lilies and those kinds of things that people have. It's earlier. Um, the quince is mostly gone by, I believe. The mock orange, which is, I think, a form of hydrangea, that's all budded and will be coming out. Not out yet. And... the yard and what it looks like out there. 
think that's it. Seems like the wild roses should be coming out soon if they haven't. Because that was growing like crazy, but I'm not sure it has any blooms on it yet. And I have a Christmas cactus in the house that's blossoming. That thing never knows when it when it's supposed to come out, so it just comes out anytime. All right. Um James Ginn just got here. Hi, James Ginn. Yeah, I've done a lot of reading and I've played a lot of stuff too, so it's one of those you can listen to and take a nap if you'd like. Um trying to picture the entire United States now. I'm thinking about the United States because so much happened this week. I felt like, oh, I just saved that for Uda and then um, something else would happen that afternoon or whatever. It's just like pushing things out of so pushing things out of the uh, priority list. I don't have that many links tonight, so I didn't save much. It was more like commenting, reading news articles. Because um, I think you can get a lot of um, seeds planted in public's mind and everything by just talking, just talking, writing, making a comment because we need to let our younger people know that this is not normal. The life they're growing up in is not normal. It's not really for their benefit. Because if they haven't been taught it, they they aren't going to just suddenly realize it. That stuff's being, being systematically removed from the public conscience. And you think about it, people aren't reading the history books. They're looking things up online. They're relying on that device in their hand to have all the information, and it doesn't have all the information. So history is being rewritten to some extent, and the only thing that's keeping that from happening really fast is that the baby boomers are still here, and we remember things. We can tell stories, and we can find things to prove what we say. So, you know, paper, paper uh, scrapbooks, and photo albums and things like that are being pitched. People are taking digital everything there. They don't see the value in keeping anything. And um, what's going to happen is when we all start dying off, there won't be anything left except for this technological dictatorship, as I call it, that they've grown up in. They won't know anything different. Do what you can, I guess. Just do what you can. Um, I'm going to look one more time and see if there's anything else that's just happened. Desert Pete, are you calling in tonight? I listened to Able Danger today, too. It was a pretty good show today. Oh, we've got a lot of stuff going on as far as the embezzlement and stuff, too. Right on the front page of the Bangor Daily News, Westbrook explores insurance and restitution to recoup 118000 in embezzled funds. That's been going on probably in every state in the union, but we've seen a lot of exposure of that stuff in the past few years here in Maine.
oh, we've been looking for a girl in Ellsworth, and it says police locate teen who went missing in Ellsworth. I just want to see if everything was fine. 13 years old. She turned up around midday Thursday at an area hospital. She is safe at this point, and the investigation continues. Well, that doesn't sound very good. I wonder what happened. Anyway, um, yeah, the people have been looking for her, and there was a picture of a car taking her. She had just left the library and didn't come home. So I don't know if something happened that was bad or not. I'll give you the link if you're interested in looking it up later. Maybe there'll be an update. Kids, half the time they meet somebody online and they think it'd be cool to go meet them, and that's where they go awry because the person isn't who they thought it was a lot of times. Um. Um, the editorial that I was going to mention when I said the editorials were being written that were to attack our governor, the one that was in the last week, LePage, I think it was yesterday or the day before, LePage keeps a list of NRCM donors. This reminds us of other shady politicians. Really nasty editorial. Um, National, I think it's National Resource Council of Maine. I think that's the name of it. And they have the picture of LePage with the pink rubber pig that's in the thing that was in the John Oliver comedy thing as well. That's what they do. It's like, here's a file photo. Let's, you know, keep this going. Um, Natural Resources Council of Maine, that's what it stands for. Uh, the, it says who he accuses of being job killers. So this is one of the examples of the type of stuff that our newspaper's putting out. We need probably a new newspaper is what I'm thinking. Somebody who actually writes news that just tells facts like the old days. <clears throat> I'm going to get Desert Pete on here. I see he's here. Hi, Desert Pete. Yeah. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Good. All things, all things considered. Are you hot or cold? Uh, finally back to decent tonight. Sure glad the show was not last night. I was in horrible shape. Why? What's uh, wrong? Wells Fargo did me in again. Oh. My Social Security check came in yesterday, so it was uh, had to go to the ATM and shuffle checks on different accounts and whatever. So, yes, I have auto deposits, so don't lecture me on that. But the point <laughs> is... one. Once it's in there, then I got to write checks in several different directions to keep the lights on and all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, the ATM was down, which meant, bottom line, I had to drive 225 miles yesterday with no air conditioning, and when I left, it was 90, and when I got home, it was 112. That's awful. And, man, that last 100 miles was just gruesome. In any event, I survived, but uh, but last night it didn't even cool down. Yeah, it was still 90 degrees 
outside at uh, at 11 p.m. and the house was still in the upper 90s. I would be unconscious. I couldn't even do that, you know. I'd be out. Yeah, well... It must make you feel wicked sick, at the very least. Obviously, I I can't sleep in temperatures like that, so I had to move into the sofa in the front room and sit in front of the air conditioner running all night, so I just be able to get to sleep. So anyway, I was in horrible shape yesterday, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm back to my somewhat natural self today, so... uh, that's good. Yeah, just running down my list. Uh, I only caught just a few minutes of Able Danger today. Did Field say anything about the fact that we've had six military planes go down within 12 days? If he did, I didn't hear it. I don't think so. Uh, there was the the only two I, I can immediately go from memory was the Thunderbird crash and then the the Blue Angel crash. And then we've had two other instances of our own planes crashing into each other during exercises or whatever. But we've had we've lost a total of of six, obviously multi million dollar uh, military aircraft along with pilots. Except I I don't know how many survived. I, I know the Thunderbird pilot managed to uh, eject just in time. Uh, I don't know the the fatalities of, of the others. The point is, six planes have gone down inside of 12, 12 days, and it wasn't even a, a a military act. It was uh, it was just local local showbiz stuff and or exercising. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it makes you wonder because there's you know that kind of stuff going on. But also, here's another thing that you just reminded me of that I didn't mention. There's going to be apparently a drill of some kind, Fenway Park in Boston. It's going to be like one of those type of events where they practice and all this stuff. I saw that in the last few days, and I'm thinking, okay, so I saw that. Then I heard mentioned, I don't know, last night I think on the local news, because I think it was last night. I watch the local news sometimes when I'm cooking, and I think it was last night. Anyway, there was... um, Acadia National Park is turning 100 this year, or the National Park Association. can't remember which, but there's a there's a birthday, right? I think it's Acadia celebrating the 100th birthday or something. So they decided they were going to do some type of a joint um, celebration with Fenway Park in Boston. And they were talking about it on the local news, like this is going to be so fantastic because we got these two... New England icons, basically, is the Acadia National Park in Maine and then Fenway Park in Boston that everybody loves, right? And um, it's going to be on Father's Day, but they're going to do it. So I was thinking, okay, I just heard of Fenway Park, and they're going to do a drill there. And we know what drills are like. Sometimes they turn into something different. So well, exactly. I was like, holy cow, <laughs> Fenway Park is really old. They always talk about how old it is and that someday they'll need to replace it. And what does that sound like? Oh, dear. I know. Yeah, Silverstein all over again. Well, and the thing is that, you know, we've had, like, the Boston Marathon bombing, right, which is, like, partially was just bizarre stuff going on that people felt was made to do other things, like allow people to be kept in their homes and have their homes searched and the whole... uh 
rundown for that, <laughs> you know, closing off a neighborhood and telling everyone they have to stay home and going through their houses. That was part of it. Mm-hmm. And now, and, and also there was other stuff, I don't know if you remember, but there was a drill that um, either took place at the same time or was right before it. I believe the drill was then because the people in the marathon that day were told, if you hear anything, don't be alarmed because we're doing a drill. Um, and there was uh, the um, memorial for the Sandy Hook children was supposed to be that day, one mile for each name towards the end of it. And there were some other aspects to it other than just the things that are repeated all the time. They also had a new type of technology they were going to use for that drill that related to like some type of handheld devices. I think it was for communications or something like that. So anyway, my, my radar went right up. I was like, you're kidding me. And then the other thing that relates to what you just said, we were downtown on Friday or Saturday night, I can't remember which, in an establishment downtown that I told you the airport's near everything in Bangor because it's right here. It's where the base was. It's right here. If you look at a map, you can see that it's near everything. And the building was shaking. It was so loud. At first, people thought, is that the, you know, the, like the intercom system, the music, something failing or what, because it was so loud, deafeningly loud. sounded like we were going to be landed on top of. And um, I was I was inside the building, and I think my boyfriend was outside the building. And I said, did you hear that? And he said, yeah. And it was one of those great big, you know, those big, huge, heavy planes that I guess like cargo or something, but no one could see it because it was overcast, low ceiling kind of thing. But they were saying they had to get down under it so that they could land, which I don't know. I think they have instruments for that. But anyway, it sounded like it was going to land right on top of the building. It was so loud. I'd never heard anything like that. And all I could think of is, oh, my gosh, they're going to take us all out with, you know, some some freakish crash and just say, this is an unusual event. There's never been a crash like this in Bangor, Maine before. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do at that point? I just ducked. I was hoping for the best, and it worked out. But, uh, you know, it makes you wonder if they're messing with their navigation. Well, don't forget over in Russia when a fly-around happens, it usually crashes on the second attempt. What the the entire uh, Polish uh, executive branch on that one several years ago, and then when they shot the president while he was yeah, wasn't it? The latest was that uh, Egypt Egypt no fly Dubai that was it. It had already made one failed pass, and it was the second uh, second attempt that suddenly uh, uh, the the tail elevator it just went berserk, and it just nosedived into the uh, into the runway. Nice. Um, yep. Well. Of course, of course, field is naturally it's it's usually. As far as the able danger expression goes, it's the QRS-11 and all these things, uh, which they may be 90% or 100% correct on that. I'm in no position to argue it. But, uh, but yeah, uh, extra low landings. 
anything can go wrong because the pilot has no time to correct for anything. Right. There's no margin for error at that point. Yeah, gravity uh, gravity rules in a in a a, a low approach. So uh, no, that, that's not good. Uh, well, I'm glad everybody survived though. In in your case. Well, I mean, I didn't know I couldn't see anything or anything because I was inside, but it was so deafening that people were looking at each other like, "Holy cow, what is that?" Yeah. And well, somebody walked by me and said. Well, that sounded a little low, and I said, I thought so, like like they're going to land on the roof. Yeah, well, being right underneath any of these large planes is is quite impressive if you're, if you're really into loud noises. Well, if people have never experienced it, let's put it this way, it shakes everything. You feel the vibrations, and yeah. you hear that deafening noise. And it just is, well, you think this is it, let's put it that way. I've had them fly over my house a few times like that over the years because I've lived here a long time, but um, it's unusual. Usually the reason they would fly over here is because they had to, for some reason, divert, like they couldn't land, you know, for whatever reason. Somebody didn't get off the runway soon enough or something. But it's it's still... You feel like you need to dock. Yeah, I was I, I was down in a neighborhood in uh, in Los Angeles, right on the the approach to LAX uh, once, and uh, could could just look up and and see as the Airbus A330s were coming in, and that's when I realized how huge that plane is, and I'm thinking, how can anything that big fly with only two engines? Yeah. <laughs> but they do. Some of them look like they're not even moving. That is a lot. Oh, yeah, on um, the final like, approach. It, yeah, or even when they take it's, off, it's like, how are they going to get up? Because yeah. they're going down this long runway, because we have a fairly long runway, and it's like you see them, they're still on the ground. It's like they need to get up now, or they're going to be in Herman, which is one of the towns near us. They're going to be in Herman in a field. Yeah. Because. You know they'll run out eventually. They can't go forever on the ground. Oh, they're scary to see. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess Keenan posted another video today. I haven't seen this one. The the link just went up. Excuse me, I got a cough. <coughs> I guess my voice is normal again. Um, I watched uh, a ninety minute one that he posted. Two days ago, I think it was, and the guys narrating it didn't always identify themselves, so I don't know whose voice it was, just painting Neil as the greatest guy in recent history, and, well, it may be true, but it would have helped the documentary if if I knew who was talking and and what their perspective was. Are they on YouTube, you mean, or something? Because I don't know. Yeah, it it was on, on Neil Keenan's website and if whatever uh, I guess it would be two days ago or thereabouts I, I lose track of time when I have to drive 200 miles and 120 yeah. to eat yeah. uh, but uh, anyway it was about 90 minutes long and it starts out with some comments by Neil himself and then it goes into about an hour and 15 minutes worth of other people commenting about Neil I really didn't get the identity of, of each of the people talking 
so I don't know if it was just a random collection of, of opinions in a crowd of in a crowd down at Walmart or, or if these were honestly oh, high, high level one? financial people. Was that the video of uh, shows the guy opening his shirt saying it's a Keenan thing you wouldn't understand? Group K. I didn't watch that, but that's the video that was on there, the next one down after the one that I read. It might have been. I'm, I'm losing track. I, I, I watch way too many videos, whether it's William Mount's both ends of the spectrum craziness that he hits on or or, or Keenan's or, or whatnot. Well, I didn't I didn't watch that video. I read through it though about the Rothschilds and all that stuff and if it was near the end or something. Yeah. Well And he had an open letter to Donald Trump also in the last couple weeks. Yeah. Third that one. The big question is that it's when are we gonna see action and the the video kind of summarized the somebody set up a crowdfunding uh program for uh uh for Neil. And all the donations are going through his 501c3, and suddenly I'm seeing red flags here. Uh, Neil is dealing with an enormous amount of money. And the, the video opens up pointing out that uh, Neil Keenan used several million of his own money. Now, I don't know that much about Neil's personal background. How What career was he in to have built up that big of a cash stash to launch on a, a save the world's economy project on his own. What what business was he in? I'm not entirely sure about Neil. Um, where he came from, I think he says he's from Massachusetts or something originally, but I'm not sure about that. His his accent sounds like that, like Massachusetts or Rhode Island or something like that. Yeah, I remember at one time thinking he might be the Keenan family that does or did the Keenan auctions because it seems like early on when I saw his name, I had found some things that related to people that I knew. But it's vague now, so I'm not sure about that. Uh, um, but if he was an auctioneer, he would have made a lot of money doing that. Uh, Val just said in the chat that he was a lawyer. Really? Interesting. Um, well, she does a lot of research, so it could be. Very well could be. Uh, I <laughs> I just wonder what kind of legal work was he doing to, to build up a, like I say, a cash stash of that. I mean, we, we all have investments here and there, and I mean, it might cumulatively add up to an impressive amount, but he's obviously been doing all this stuff with cash here. And uh, that's a monumental task. That's something I think you would send a team out with with almost government funding rather than something that a single individual would launch on. But uh, if he reaches his goal and distributes it fairly, then more power to him. I have no criticism from my direction. I, I just don't understand enough of what he's doing to really comment intelligently here. I've said before, my my real financial training was in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, and uh, banking has just been that mysterious end that none of us understood until we read Creature from Jekyll Island was the eye-opener for just about everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Um, hard to it's hard to track some of the people. Um, you yeah. know that too. Oh. I th- I thought for some reason that he was related to the Keenan Auction Company, and but Val's being a lawyer. I don't know. Maybe I found other people, but I don't honestly remember now where how I got to that. And it would have been like more than five years ago that like that I was actually looking. So. Yeah, I see. Val raises a good question. If if Neil even knows somebody is trying to raise money, crowdfunding for him, but what? The question I raise is: Is the fellow doing the pitch at the the end of that ninety minute video uh, uh, was calling for donations to his five hundred one c three and that it would be tax deductible? And I'm thinking, whoa, red flag here. Uh, we know that every almost every church in our country has been suckered into becoming a five hundred one c three which lends itself to government control when you do that. And by and large, it's not an act of evilness on the part of any church pastor. It's an act of naivety. The pastors are just not trained in in finance, and they ask anybody in the congregation, which nine times out of ten, it's it's an attorney in the congregation who volunteers this free advice. Oh, yeah, just... uh, start the church as a 501c3, and the pastors are naive enough to believe that. Uh, And that's why churches get suckered into it, is from bad advice from church members, is 99 times out of 100 why every church in the country is a 501c3, because they don't know any better. That's the only reason why. And I get a little bent out of shape when people who who hate organized religion and, and hate Christianity in general just broad brush and say, oh, they're all 501c3, they're all all works of the devil. Well, come on, grow up, get your terminology straight here. Uh, people do ignorant stuff because they just don't know any better. We've all been there, and eventually uh, you learn the right thing to do and act accordingly from, from that point on. Well, I just, what I do is I flail around. I actually know that that's what I'm doing. I flail around until I hit upon something that's interesting, and then I go in that direction for a while. And then I don't ever say, unless I know for absolute certainty that anything is true, because I've found before that things I believe to be true weren't. So I'm not going to be that, I will never be that firm about anything again. I mean, as far as I know, I'm telling as close to the truth as I know it on any given day. I won't lie. Yeah. Point of it, uh, for one thing. It doesn't help anything. Yeah. So, speaking of people who get confusing on both sides of the issue here, let me bring up John Oliver here for a moment. Uh, the video that I, I mentioned, that is a must-watch by everybody. Uh yeah, Oliver has done some offensive stuff. He's he's British. Uh, he started on the Comedy Channel. The Comedy Channel is saturated with militant left-wing radicals. Yeah. That that want to twist every story into attacking religion, attacking Christianity, attacking anything that's good. And 
um, just kind of painting Hillary Clinton as the savior of the world kind of a per- perspective on life. So that that's what you get out of the comedy channel. So those of us who have a conservative perspective on things, like me, I went into shock when I saw this video. Oliver actually did something intelligent. And i got to emphasize the word did. This was not funny talk. He actually went out and did something productive. And the whole issue is the bill collection system in this country is atrocious. That banks uh, need to balance their, their balance sheets and whatever real fast. And if they can't collect in a certain period of time, they liquidate the, uh, the, the uncollectible bills, uh, loans, uh, for a fraction on the dollar. And if, we've ever, if you've ever been in that situation, which I certainly have, uh, they might approach you with a reduced payment payoff, but they want the, the big payoff amount. They, they might want 40% of what they loaned you, but they want it all at once. Well, a poor person, especially after you've been laid off and, and you're behind in your other bills, you can't come up with a chunk of money, whether it's a few hundred dollars or whether it's a few thousand. They, you, you just can't raise that money fast enough. Yeah. So the bank then hands it over to a collection agency. Well, I shouldn't say hand it over. They sell it to a collection agency for they may have offered you a 40% payoff. They sell it to a collection agency for like 10%. Uh, so now the collection agency owns your loan, and they try to re- to uh, recoup the full amount of the loan. Well, there's a huge difference there. So picking a number out of the sky, it might have been an original $5,000 loan, credit card debt or whatever. The bank just sold it for 500 to the collection agency, and the collection agency turns around and tries to collect the full 5,000 out of your hide. Well, that's an enormous uh, return on their investment when they do that. And then, as loans get older and older, the liquidation rate gets lower and lower. So without giving out the punchline, I, I, I say you got to watch it because John Oliver is a professional comedian. His presentation is impeccable. He uh, still, I am going to give away his punchline as to what happened, and I hope this inspires everybody to watch it. He went out and started a genuine corporation, got it business licensed as a collection agency, and he then went to the collection liquidation market and he bought a cluster of defaulted medical bills for a half a cent on the dollar. Now his new corporation that he just started owns what was nearly $15 million worth of debt. And as the law sits, he had right to harass those people and collect $14.9 million worth of original medical bills. Instead, and I should mention, he bought 
all of these loans for only being recorded, so I know I'm going to get the number wrong. It was less than $60,000. And well, I'll go on record as saying he bought $14.9 million of the loans for less than 60000 and it might have been less than that uh, if you watch his video to see the actual numbers. Uh, he then, on the show, states, as CEO of this corporation, he declares all of those debts paid in full. He handed the contract that proved that his corporation owned all of these debts now over to another 501c3, well, this is a, a legitimate one, that would then process all the filing of the UCC forms on each individual loan and declare it paid in full. Here's the astounding thing on that show. Obviously, that show is making big money. It's it's on cable and it's one of the probably one of the best viewed shows out there on, on as far as television goes. So for the cost of less than overall seventy thousand dollars to create the corporation, get the license and, and whatnot. They just got $14.9 million worth of advertising. On the show, he gives the gift to, he stated how many people, it was several hundred, suddenly had their entire medical bill paid off due to his, his team's cleverness. I won't credit Oliver as being brilliant enough to come up with all this stuff because it did require some, some corporate knowledge to do it. But uh, his comedians and, and writers managed to assemble, probably they probably got some legal advice on it from, from a few attorneys. Uh, but they just took over $14 million worth of debt load off somebody's back by pulling that stunt. And the amount of advertising that show is going to get now is enormous. They're easily going to make back, like I say, the, the 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 TV show production for that one episode. They they may have blown as much as sixty or seventy thousand dollars to 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 pull that stunt. But look what they get back. So, given my Hollywood background, as as I see that, I think that that's a premise for a new TV show. You could have half the country watching every night to find out. Are my bills going to get paid off tonight? <laughs> yeah, really. Wouldn't that be good? So, I mean, we're talking about Neil Keenan's efforts and and all the other projects, whether it's the the bogus Dinar story or 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 other or Karen Hudis or whoever. Uh, and we're all wondering, well, are those people real, and is anything going to happen with it, and whatever. Well, jump over to this crazy comedian who really does some other offensive stuff. And yeah, if he's attacked your your governor, then yeah, he's at times a pretty bad guy. But uh, on this one show, he did everything right. Five and a half million views on there right now on that YouTube. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I'll have to look it up. How much could you charge advertisers on a TV show that gets five million views per episode? Yeah, really. Uh, my gracious. So I, I'd almost like to assemble a television production crew real fast and and say, hey, we've we've got a premise for a TV show here. Although I, I don't know if he's copyrighted the show. He probably has, or, or the idea. But uh, man, that that could that could command a huge audience. I mean, look at all the silly game shows that are out there. Yeah. I don't know what which ones are are currently popular. I, I just know many years ago I was uh, uh, I was kind of addicted to watching Monty Hall and uh, Door Number One, Two or Three. Yeah. And and and, and after. Two or three seasons of that, I finally realized, you idiot, you're watching 30 minutes of commercials. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal, yeah. There was no content on that show, none. It was all commercials, the whole show. What might be behind door number one, two, or three might be such and such, which now you sit through another 20, 30 seconds of commercial. (laughs) Absolutely, they were showing the product. But uh, in in my younger mind, I got addicted to that, and I wasn't the only one. He was one of the most popular shows on television. Well, there's a game show on right now that I saw last week called Five Hundred Questions or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the host is someone who started out in in news, TV news here in Bangor, and uh-huh. he's he's been on news programs. Because I was like, I was sitting there going, "That's Dan Harris. That's Dan Harris. It was Dan Harris," and um, he, and now he's doing a game show. It's like they take people that are photogenic and good on camera, and they can do anything with them. And he's very good at being a game show host. I mean, it was like natural no. for him. But it was, it was just strange because it's like these people. They, <laughs> I'm telling you, Maine's everywhere. People think we're just up here in the corner minding our own business, but no, yeah. it's actually one of the training grounds for people in media. Well, so. our, our our resident snob, Jameskin, is jumping all over me for watching TV. Uh, Jameskin, that that was 30 years ago that I watched that show. James. 20 or 30, so. <laughs> I've matured oh. a little bit since then. But, yeah, uh, he's not a snob, I don't believe. <laughs> well, Sorry. some of his no. comments border on that. Oh, he picked on you awful. I've seen it. I know, Uh, but whether you weave it into a game show format or or local news or well national news, if you want a national audience, uh, I I just think that is man that that that's the punchline to uh, to just commanding an enormous audience if. if you could blend that into a weekly TV show, and uh, well, and then obviously tackle all the out outstanding medical bills in the country first, and then move on to uh, to saving people's assets, people that thought they lived in their their home for X number of years, and now they've only got a few payments left and and something goes wrong and they can't make any more payments and there goes their car or their home or 
or some other major family asset, and uh, wouldn't that be nice to have a show like that step in and just pay it off? And they're paying it off with advertiser-supported funding. (laughs) Uh, So I'm not pulling money out of nowhere. It's just that why are the banks liquidating this stuff so cheap to other corporations that turn around and do nasty things, as you'll see in that video. In the video, in the earlier part, he points how how, how really nasty these, these collection agencies get. Uh, and we all know about that. They're, they're not pleasant at all. But, uh, but again, he... Uh, that 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 21 minute show just kind of formats uh, it all into a, a nutshell and when you see that my gracious a properly run corporation can do good things for people so here now I go back on desert Pete's old bandwagon it's not the structure it's the people running the structure that are the problem that there's nothing wrong with having a government it's when you let idiots run the government that you're going to have problems. And when you stop having equal protection under the law, because justice is supposed to be blind, it's not supposed to be saying, oh, well, you're so-and-so's kid, so we're going to let you have six months in jail for raping somebody behind a dumpster, which was also something that was in the news this week. Um, Completely infuriating people because they were like, how the heck did that kid get six months for a sentence which he could get out early when he raped a woman who was unconscious behind a dumpster. And that's what that's what the two other guys had found him doing, and so there were witnesses in the whole thing. And the father, who was talking about his son, there was somebody that did a good rant on that today that I saw as well. It was a short video where this man, whoever, I can't remember who it was now, was saying, you know, each piece of what that father's statement was about his son having his life, you know, that he was a good kid and he did all these things and now his life's been ruined and everything. is like, he's the one that did it. He's the perpetrator. So what the heck with the judge, you know? What's up with that? Um, and someone else could be going to jail for like, you know, 14 years or something. This kid gets six months. That's you know, that's the thing that people see that they find extremely unfair as well. You can't have that. It is a nation of laws. That's what I keep reminding people of when I ever hear them saying stuff like that. It's a nation of laws. We're supposed to be obeying those laws equally or not at all. Let's just go back to the Wild West and have vigilantism if that's what you want. But otherwise, we need to have our laws enforced. And that includes Hillary Clinton, too. Yeah, well, thank you for mentioning that, that company that's doing the crowdfunding. That That's a clever idea that, that they're doing of, of having, of having <laughs> articulate speaking uh, actors uh, uh, recreate a, a genuine legal situation. That, that's a I good mean, idea. I mean, I think that people, and I've said it all along, people on their own doing what they have talent for Look at how they can use their talent and and just go do it, whatever it is, because that's what you're here for, in my opinion. You're here to use your talent, not just hide. So, you know, there this guy, whoever thought of it, I mean, I think it was, I think what he said during the interview, but I, I'm not positive of his exact words, but the 
the tone that I got from it was that it was wrong that the judge was was allowing this to be suppressed when the public needed to know it. So the videos yeah. being suppressed was wrong. And so when they realized that they had the transcripts and that was public information, they could use that. They decided to make their own videos. It was just someone's brilliant idea. You know, and I, you know, when you hear something like that, you go, why didn't I think of that myself? You know, I could have thought of that. It's a simple idea, but it's a brilliant idea. Well, the, yeah, I, I'm almost ready to start a new TV network here because we've, we've got two golden ideas to work with. His uh, uh, recreating genuine, real events like that and then uh, periodically paying off a cluster of people's debts and eliminating this, this stupid stupid banker fraud because, uh, of course, John Oliver focuses on, on medical debts, and as he points out, it, it's not people who ran up a credit card buying for Versace clothing. It was uh, people that needed to breathe, uh, and that's why their med- medical bills got got as high as they did. But uh, goodness, credit card debt is not always Versace clothing. Uh, people use their credit cards for other life support items too, yeah. uh, which could be uh, fixing their furnace in Maine during the winter, or fixing their air conditioner in <laughs> in Death Valley, California during the summer. Uh, and that could be a credit card bill that really needs some help here and not 23% interest. Oh, it's that's disgusting. It's usury because, yeah. you know, oh, you didn't you couldn't pay your bill, so we're going to up your we're going to up your interest rate. That'll help you pay your bill. Yeah. Uh <laughs> But then as as we've learned from Creature and Checking Island and mm. and other publications along the same line that when a bank does something as mundane as financing a house, it's all done with fictitious money. Right. They and, don't have and, to do a thing. They put nothing in it. Yeah. And so especially if, if you've sunk uh, any sizable amount of money into your house so far, but you never got to the last payment at the end of the 30 years, and they still want to step in and take everything and give you nothing, that's criminal, especially since it costs them nothing to begin with. So, uh, anyway, I don't want to get on a screen The other, the other thing too that, that reminded me of, because everything always reminds me of something, but when you were saying that um, about buying necessities, now what I understood, who knows where I heard it, because like I said, I used to listen to Rod Class and Dallas Debt Discussion and Angela Stark and all those shows. I listened to a ton of those things for a while probably now would be a few years ago. I haven't really gone back. I think they're still doing them, though. But I remember somewhere hearing or reading that when um, all of the, um, whatever, I guess you'd have to say it's fraud now because we didn't know about it, and so it was kind of foisted upon us. But when it occurred that they took over the assets and they forced everyone to turn in their assets. So that might have been um, the goals, maybe. I'm not sure exactly what the time period was, but it was when people had to give away their assets 
in order to help the system recover itself, supposedly. Now, was that 1933, or was it earlier? Uh, I'm not sure, but you know what I'm saying. It was like, okay, we'll do a, we'll give up everything for the good of the country. I think that's about it, yeah. I believe in the 30s, early 30s. I believe at that point, there was, maybe Dottie knows this too, I'm not sure if she's still listening or not. She's still showing in the chat, but um, that at that point, they were required to take care of us. I believe that's where general assistance came in. As far as, from what I understand, if you go for general assistance because you have a crisis of, like, you can't eat, you can't, you have no place to stay, et cetera, you've got to pay your rent or whatever, and you go for general assistance, they have to give it to you. That's what I understand. Now, people are telling me that occasionally they get uh, denied, but I have never heard of anyone getting denied, honestly. It may make a difference what state you're in, but um, I've had tenants have to go for general assistance before because they couldn't, for whatever reason, pay their rent that month. Like maybe they were laid off or something else hadn't come in yet or whatever. And they may direct people to services where they can get help so that they don't have to pay it out of the city's funds or whatever. But I think it's like the last resort. But I think they're supposed to be paying everyone. So all this stuff where we're paying for our utilities, our water, our light, you know, food and everything else, they're supposed to be taking care of us because we actually are slaves right now. That's why everything. That's why people are complaining. Is because we're slaves. We're working for them, and we're not getting even our our common human needs met. That you know, if they left us alone, we'd be able to provide for ourselves. Yeah. Well, that's the reasoning behind it. That's what I. That's vague. I know, but it's because I read too much stuff and I. It, fades out of my memory, but I believe it was something like that, and I think it was written into the documents at the time. Someone knows that, so defer to the experts, I guess. Yeah, this was my somewhat disagreement with uh, with Field and David, where they were just, maybe they still are, I can say I haven't tuned in enough to, to listen, but they were painting every candidate as is a pile of criminals and guilty mass murder, including Trump. Well, if you're going to paint Trump as bad as Hillary, what option does the public even know about? And I think the only good guy the public knows about is Trump at the moment, a apparent good guy. And I will be, I will stand corrected if somebody shows somebody any high crimes and misdemeanors he's committed. But uh, I don't see anything that he's done as being as bad as what's up on Hillary's level. And the the raw fact is solutions can happen here, even with our, with the corrupt system we've got. And this, this John Oliver stunt proves it, that quit, broad brushing all corporations is bad he created one that went out and did something good uh, and quit coming down on organized religions because some churches actually go out and do help the poor and they actually do follow, follow the uh, commandments of Christ 
yeah. but they could do that without the uh, designation. They did do it without the designation in the yeah. past. Yeah, well, but hu- human individuals are, are free to go out and help the neighbor as best they can themselves. So everybody has personal responsibility here. But I, I don't want to go attacking every organization out there for for, for weak reasons. Uh, and I, I readily admit, when when corruption climbs up in the management, any organization can go bad, whether it's a church or whether it's a, a, a government entity or or anything in between. Uh, you put bad management in, it's going to be managed poorly or horribly. Yeah. Um, so uh, everyone has to has to answer for the for their own deeds here, uh, whether it's on a personal basis or or in the organizations they manage. Uh, let's see. Jumping to the only other issue I've got on my list here for the week. Um, have we discussed Gordon Duff at Veterans today before? I, I forget if we have an official UDA position on, on veterans today. I don't have official anything, I don't think. Okay, well. Uh, Everybody, with, I treat every single person with a grain of salt. Yeah. Just because I don't know them. Some of the people I know well, I don't really know. So I certainly don't know people I know from the Internet. Yeah. I'm in the process of trying to do a personal investigation to find out if he's legitimate or not. Uh, the the Tim White of UDA talk shows past uh, has really come down on Gordon Duff as being a complete fraud and and running a, a phony defense contracting company and other accusations. And well, those are pretty stiff charges. Uh, the evidence I I caught in one conversation was that well Gordon Duff's company uh, is based I guess in Texas or somewhere just a few blocks from the Mexican border. Well, I'm not sure that that proves anything. Uh, is it near where Scalia got killed? I know, oh, excuse me, died in his sleep in a nice fluffy bed. I I don't know. <laughs> uh, not likely. We but, don't talk uh, about Scalia much. He was in and out of the news really fast. That makes me suspicious. Yeah, well, obviously the uh, the Zionists that supported him are uh, uh, have have swept that under the carpet real fast. They spent more time on Prince than on Nick. Yeah, that's how that's going. Was he justice or no? He wasn't. He was uh, not chief justice because Robert. Yeah. Um, well, but an important justice of the Supreme Court, but they spent more time on Prince. And actually, the gorilla at the zoo was that in Cleveland, where they shot the gorilla. I I forget the location on that. Yeah. Uh, well, the only reason I'm bringing Gordon Duff up tonight is he has been the Contracted security firm, uh, contracted by uh, by Miran Cash and the Cash Foundation, and Gordon has printed several uh, favorable articles about the Cash technology on his website. 
uh, and claiming that University of Massachusetts has tested it and that other government organizations have tested it and have proven that it works. So Gordon is kind of going out of, on a limb to support cash. Uh, but on the Rents talk show a couple of nights ago, uh, or maybe it was last night, again, I'm, I'm losing track here because I had that, that, that mental overheat day, um, uh, Gordon admitted that the Cash Foundation is being run like a religious cult. And I have to agree with him on on that off the wall comment, because uh, some of the people that he brings up as testimonies of such and such working really look like uh, glossy eyed cult members when you hear them talk and and tell their story, and it does get a little little iffy as to what's going on. Uh, I'm I'm still fascinated at the possibility of the cash technology, so I, I keep watching videos as I can here, but I'm not ready to endorse anything. Uh, I'm still curious as to what what else he wants to say, and he might get something working here. But here's the issue: uh, when he uh, uh, when he went on a tirade against a bit who against a guy who was a big name in the free energy realm, a guy by the name of Sterling Allen. Uh, Sterling had been in the Mormon church for several years, really got mentally messed up. He sort of stayed on track pushing clean energy technologies for several years. Uh, He built up a huge website that I've had more than one person admit was actually the biggest database on alternative energies that you could find on the internet. Uh, so Sterling in his business life seemed pretty normal. And I met him along the way, uh, met him in person once and corresponded with him many times. And as he was starting an organization he called the New Energy Congress back in 2005, uh, Sterling aggressively solicited just about everybody who had established some notoriety in alternative energy. Uh, like Paul Pantone, uh, Eugene Malov, uh, and many others. So Sterling aggressively dragged a lot of people into his organization. And then without asking any of us, he goes and enters all of us into Facebook and says that, well, we've got to make this organization uh, uh, popular and social media is the, mo- is the best way to promote our, uh, our philosophies on clean energy. And so uh, here, here's your, uh, your application form to get, to get your Facebook account going. And he wanted everybody in, in our, uh, our group of quasi-scientists, we'll say, uh, to, to get active on posting news stories on Facebook and whatever. Uh, so Sterling was following a marketing strategy that was real popular in the first part of the century, that of uh, getting every one of your friends to get on social media and, and make friends all over the Internet. Um, so a lot of us got dragged into that. 
uh, Sterling compiled a, a large list of contacts that way. And then about a year and a half ago, uh, things started going horribly wrong with his personal life. He started aggressively seeking a uh, power of attorney to handle his personal stuff, and then his wife up and up and divorces him. And nobody was sure why until he publishes a self-admission on the Internet that he had been a pedophile all these years. Well, this was after he had already interviewed Moran Cash once or twice and tried to start promoting Cash's technology. And then when Cash learned that Sterling was a pedophile, Cash went ballistic and spent like half of one of his programs berailing uh, Sterling Allen and his personal life. And then that was bad enough, but then Cash started embellishing the story even worse than it was. Okay, Sterling is a self-confessed pedophile. Get out of business life. Get off the Internet. Go take care of your personal problems first. But Koresh, Cash was now demanding further retribution. And Alan never really did anything to Cash personally other than by affiliation now. So I'm certainly not defending Sterling Allen, but Cash kind of overreacted here. Uh, and now we see Gordon Duff step in and get hired as the security firm handling the security from around Cash. Uh, on the 6th of this month, whatever day that was, Tuesday, I think. Um, no, that was Monday. Veterans Today published another puff piece on Mehran Cash and was boasting about his exposure of Sterling Allen. Well, Sterling Allen exposed himself, and Cash just kind of picked up the situation and ran with it and almost is trying to use it for his own benefit, which makes little sense at all. Uh, in the course of events... Uh, Gordon Duff got Cash in contact with the FBI in Utah, which is where Sterling lived, and they in, did an initial investigation, found there was plenty of evidence, and they arrested Sterling Allen and confiscated his computer. On his computer, they found correspondence with Justice Scalia, which then exposed Justice Scalia as being the high-level person in government who was protecting Sterling Allen all this time. Um, now, Gordon Duff, as the security manager for Cash, publishes this piece on the 6th where he gets a hold of Sterling Allen's friends list on Facebook, and Veterans Today republished that entire list. Now, I don't know what Zuckerberg would say about stealing a page off of Facebook, which Zuckerberg seems to think he owns everything on there. He does, actually. 
Yeah, well, Veterans Today violated Zuckerberg's copyright and republished the whole page. And Duff had the absurdity of implying, oh, these are all of Sterling Allen's friends uh, and his group of pedophiles. Whoa, you just broad-brushed a whole bunch of people that had no clue what Sterling was doing in his personal life. Uh, two of the people on the list, immediately I know, are already dead. They couldn't defend themselves if they had to. Uh, Paul Pantone passed away last year, I think it was, and uh, Eugene Malov several years ago was murdered. Uh, Eugene Malov was a high-level physicist from uh, from MIT, uh, was well-respected in, uh, in the alternative energy realm. So like I say, Sterling was really aggressive on getting more and more friends on his Facebook. So whether you were a friend of Sterling Allen on Facebook says nothing of, of any of Sterling's personal life. Some people have thousands of friends. Well, Sterling was one of them. Yep. But now Gordon Duff makes this asinine implication that everybody on that list is a pedophile. Well, excuse me, Desert Pete was on that list. And I object to seeing Veterans Today publish something like that with a broad brush accusation against a lot of innocent people, including me. None of us had a clue what was going on in that guy's personal life. Uh, so Gordon Duff has obviously stepped over the line of, of civility with that kind of remark. Um, I'm not sure how to confront Gordon. He... Uh, you listen to him on, on a Rents interview, and he sounds like a, a halfway decent guy. But uh, I don't know if he was just in a bad mood, if he had uh, one too many beers that day or what, as to why he uh, did something that stupid of, of such a broad brush accusation on so many different people. But uh, anyway, that's all I wanted to point out is that I, I have issues with... Uh, even though I've quoted veterans today on some of the good stuff they've published, uh, they've jumped to the other end of the spectrum, and it almost looks like they sold out to the dark side. Yeah, and you don't know whether they started out that way or it became lucrative later. That's the well, thing that has been bothering me for several years, is that that's why I say I don't really totally take anything completely, 100% believe it, because... Some of these people that they're really good, <laughs> they're really good at looking like they're they're uh, you know good people and everything, and they've got this other side that's operating. <laughs> and uh, you find out later, like a few years later, after you've helped them along their way, and um, they're not who they say they are. So. Yeah. Well. I just like honesty. You know how hard is it? Well, that would be nice, and if if he's running a news site with any credibility at all, and if, well, if you asked Tim White, he says Gordon Duff has no credibility, and in a situation like this, Tim is definitely correct. Uh, but, man, you, you never make broad brush remarks like that. Uh, he's exposing himself to massive... Uh, legal liabilities uh, if anybody has the money to sue him. But uh, 
I don't know. Uh, it's just saying whatever they feel like lately. It kind of makes you wonder. Does anyone get sued anymore for saying stuff about someone? I don't know. Well, with we already know the battle between uh, Trump and, and Clinton is going to be really dirty. It's it's already gotten dirt gotten. It's going to be dirty. dirty. I hope really dirty. I hope nobody's civil. I hope they come right out swinging. Because the reason is is that being civil is what got us into this condition. Well, I know. Uh, the the absolute baloney we heard the week Kennedy was killed, and oh, the nation can't handle such grief, and it stretches on and on, and then we go up through. Uh, well, I'm I'm sorry to say, uh, Jackie Kennedy. I remember her making a remark uh, several years later, up up into the 70s. Uh, somebody asked her if uh, if she felt there was a conspiracy uh, against her husband, and her response was that she knew there was, but the nation was not ready to hear it yet. I'm thinking that's treating an entire country like a pile of little kids. Yeah. Uh, you bet the country was ready to hear the truth about Kennedy's assassination in the early 60s. Why did we not hear any truth about it until 50, 55 years later? And I don't think the media realizes that the, the uh, public is extremely angry with them because they are they're not just covering up. They're actually inventing new stories to, you know, direct people rather than just covering up, like avoiding it. They're actually making up lies to cover it up and uh, putting that out there. It's really awful. <laughs> really awful. Well, uh, Anyway, I vented all I want to say on, on the Veterans Today article other than, uh, well, just the summary that uh, Gordon Duff is, he he's as, the old comedian's reference of like, like hitting a Super Bowl with a golf club in a tile bathroom. Uh, Gordon Duff is all over the place, just like uh, William Mount. Uh, a few tidbits of truth have gotten through on William Mount's videos, and they were powerful. Uh, I can't name one right off the bat, but, uh, but when I've heard it, I thought, wow, yeah, he just commented on that situation properly. But then he up and... Oh, he was reading some stuff that I hadn't heard before, and as as he scrolls the picture in front of a camera, I realize, oh, he's reading that off the what does it mean site. Well, that's uh, David Bluth and the Sertia Falls stuff. So he was given credibility to the least credible stuff on the internet. If if he was really a doctor in anything, he should know better than that. But he doesn't. 
So, uh, anyway, William Mount is all over the place, and so is Gordon Duff. So, like everything, you got to separate the wheat from the chaff. Oh, that was loud, whatever that was. Did you hear it? Maybe it was your mic going. Nope, hung up. Desert Pete is gone. Did you hear that noise? I don't know what happened, but maybe he'll be back in a second. Yeah, um, I see that Jameskin said, uh, yeah, it sounded, didn't it sound odd, like something big happened? I don't know, maybe his battery ran out or something. Um, We'll see if he comes back. So Jameskin's going, yes, Ginger, yes, and I'm like, being civil, yeah, I I know that I talk about people needing to be civil, especially when we're talking about bathrooms and things like that. Like, you know, just freaking be civil. If, if you're making somebody really uncomfortable, at least recognize it and see if you can do something about it. And I'm not talking about the little baby stuff like somebody wrote on the sidewalk with chalk. I'm talking about, you know, if your behavior is making someone really uncomfortable, then a civil person would notice that and either apologize or do something different in a public place. I'm not talking about, like, you know, somebody going in your church and telling you you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that and everything. I'm talking about in public behavior. Like, if you step on somebody's foot and you say, I'm sorry, I stepped on your foot, I apologize. That kind of thing. But when you get into the point where we've got people who are doing wrongdoing and they knowingly are doing it and causing harm, um, I think the civility needs to be put aside and we need to be getting dirty, basically, because what's happened is because we have these psychopaths around and they have no conscience and they are ruthless and heartless and everything else, they don't care. They want to get to that, um, well, it's like the thing I started with, the Neil Keenan thing. It's business or, you know, they're just working on some cold, hard law or something and they can't see any of the nuances, and they can't see how, you know, you could work out anything without just hard and fast, this is the way it is, and be ruthless. But that's how they that's how they get themselves to the top of the structure. That's how they get themselves to be in positions of power. And meanwhile, all the people that are being nice and being civil are being walked on and used. Some of them don't even notice it for years on end. And all of a sudden, they get a rude awakening, and they go, hey, what happened? Well, we need to uh, not be so civil when it comes to these kinds of things. When when it's harmful to everyone, I go back to the thing that Abel Danger always says, which is, you know, have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness or whatever the exact words are. Um, Rather expose them. And in some versions... It goes further and says, and rebuke them. And I'm all about the rebuking. If I see somebody doing something really rotten, I'll tell them that right to their face. I have no problem whatsoever saying, hey, wait a minute, look at that, what you just did. So does it peek back, so unmute him again. Hi. <laughs> that was yeah. quite a noise at the end, right before you were gone. Yeah. It was a terrible noise. As near as I can guess, it was my uh, call waiting kicked in when somebody, really? tried, somebody tried to call this number and and glitch upon glitch. So sorry about that. 
Oh, that's all right. I um, I have a call waiting. Hit mine once in a while when I'm on here, and I've never heard that sound before. It was pretty interesting. Well, but but we're in the desert and near Navy lines, so we thought they've gotten you. We thought that was it. Who, who knows what uh, what conglomeration of uh, it's curtains for the old guy. Uh, that that could have been it. Uh. So anyway, where was I? Well, yeah, your point on on language. Uh, growing up, your parents teach you not to have a potty mouth, and you coordinate things accordingly. But uh, yeah, my the line that I don't let anybody cross is as soon as somebody starts showing a careless disregard for human life. That's when I get vulgar, and I can get as vulgar as anybody, but I sure don't use that as my common, ordinary time, type of speech. But you're right, there are times you just have to use strong language because there's nothing else that that describes it as, as articulately as, as calling a pile of snake excrement what it really is. When, when something like that comes out of the mouth of a politician... You got to call it like it is, and don't let it. Don't be diplomatic of oh, the nation can't uh, can't absorb such uh, such horrificness and whatever. You baloney. Walk down the streets of any city and and see what's going on there. And the nation is certainly ready to to handle it. And and when somebody is that that corrupt that they show a dis, a careless disregard for human life. It's time to call it for what it is, and that may require certain obscenities to to word it in the the proper context. Um, oh, there was a news story. I'm sorry, I don't have. Well, yeah, if anybody remembers how to get to my energy page, uh, I posted the story there, where uh, the Illinois Department of uh, Economic Development and the FBI and the Department of Energy focused their best investigators to look into a grant that was issued to an 80-year-old business owner in Illinois who ran a solar company. And the prerequisite for getting this million-dollar-plus grant was that he had to post matching funds. Uh, I think $1.4 million he had to post on his own. Uh, Well, I guess on the application, that was going to be posted from eventual sales. Uh, Once he got the money, he went out and he sold two very sizable systems but that did not add up to the total $1.4 million that Department of Energy was expecting as matching funds to be able to get the, the, the full amount of the grant. And because he fell short on the matching funds, they accused him of fraud. And how dare you try to collect the full amount? You didn't post sufficient matching funds. So they sent him to 15 months in federal prison and three years of probation. Yeah. This 
this is an 80-year-old businessman who, as I look at the situation, being both a corporate executive myself and and somebody interested in solar energy, what I see is that, look, he proved himself. He went out and sold two installations. He's generating revenue. He generated like six to $800,000 worth of revenue. This guy has an operating business. Help the guy out. But no, he couldn't post X amount of dollars in matching funds in the time limit that the the bankers inside the federal government set. And so now he gets branded as a criminal and sent to prison. Now, excuse me, Google got $500 million of DOE loan for their drastic Ivanpah Solar Facility, which is over in California near the state line with Nevada. And the record has shown it is a hazard to fly over uh, because the mirrors are just just blind the pilots. Uh, Birds flying through there get toasted. Yep, I think we saw that, didn't we? There were pictures. Yeah, and... Here's the other raw fact. Because of the the structure of it, you've got all those mirrors out there on a hot day, and I'm in the general area. Hot by that, I mean the natural temperature is 112. You go adding mirrors on top of that, uh, you're starting fires. And that actually happened. And again, Google was the prime investor on it. They Because the big name Google was used, that's how they got the big DOE loan. Uh, half a billion dollars worth. Um, And once they set it up, they realized, oh, it's barely putting out 35 or 40 percent of the efficiency that they expected. Well, because the stupid design was heating up the air around the boiler, it wasn't heating up the boiler. So it was... Gone, though. Yeah, gone again. Oh, my goodness. It was the same noise again, too. Did you notice that? All right. Well, while Desert Pete is gone again, see if he shows up again, we'll we'll know in a couple minutes. Um, Something funny happened this past week. I thought I'd interject here. You know the voice theory that's been on the electronic devices. Well, we were sitting around at one of my friend's camps at the lake, and it was a bunch of us women that sing together and stuff, and we were just talking. We were having a conversation about some different things, and someone was talking about somebody, I guess. I don't even remember now what they said, but all of a sudden the phone goes, the phone talked. It said, that's not very nice. And we all looked around like, who said that? Nobody said that. And it was Siri. It was the phone talking to us about our conversation. So apparently the phone had been listening and didn't like a certain phrase and just goes, that's not very nice. So we picked up the phone and we were saying, what is your problem? I don't understand. What are you doing listening to us? Well, Siri, you can G-F-Y, and you guys can use your imagination what that means. And uh, she goes, well, I don't understand. So... That that became funny, so I said something like, are you kidding me? You don't know what that means? Are you kidding me? 
And she goes, no, I don't understand. So my friend whose phone it was said, well, do you know what FY means? And there was a pause. And then Siri says, well, if I told you I, you would blush or something like that. I think it was I would blush or you would blush. And she says, so you're lying because you do know what it means. So we had about a 15 or 20-minute conversation with Siri on the phone and by the time it ended, I said, look, I said, <laughs> since you're a computer and I am a human being, I don't give a rat's ass what your opinion is. And Siri says, oh. And that was the end of it. It was hilarious. So anyway, I don't know whether or not they're turning on people's phones and listening in on conversations. I've heard that that stuff happens. But it certainly seems like that's what happened this past week because I'd never, never noticed anyone's phone ever doing that before. <laughs> and it hadn't been doing it all along. It was just like suddenly. We'd been talking probably for 45 minutes before the phone started talking back to us. So, Yeah, so I'm not, Dottie says they're listening. I'm not surprised. Desert Pete, your phone went whack again. Made a terrible I, I, noise. I have a feeling somebody's trying to call in here. Okay. So it, it's no doubt going to happen again. So I'll just quickly finish my story. That okay. uh, that that Google squandered a half a billion dollars of government money on a bad design, and it's proven itself to be a bad design from square one. Uh, and then Google had the audacity to apply for another half-billion-dollar grant to recoup their losses. Well, you idiots designed a bad system from square one. What are you blaming the government for on it? Uh, so here Google gets away with squandering a half-billion bucks, but this uh, 80-year-old guy... Uh, comes up six hundred thousand dollars short on on a government term, and it's something that, as I look at, that's just bad accounting. I mean, he should have just branded it as speaking fees, like Hillary does, yeah. and and it would have been laughed off, and and nothing would have happened. But uh, no, he was apparently overly honest here, and his accountant just didn't know how to file things in the right column. Uh, and so he ends up going to prison while Google gets off scot-free for many times that amount of, of squandering government money. So anyway, that, that's just the atrocity of, of, of the economy as it is. Uh, so anyway, since I'm likely to get another phone call in here pretty soon, I better go check the message and see who it is and see if it's urgent or re- reason they're trying to reach me or not. Well, about cut off time anyway. Get close, so... Uh, <laughs> All that too. Yeah. So anyway, unless you got any other thing to ask me for the week, uh, I'll, I'll just sign off from the West Coast then. Um, I'm I'm just thinking, you know, maybe we should keep looking into these military things that you mentioned because I didn't realize there were that many. I mean, I yeah, knew about um, the two. I knew about the two ones that perform Thunderbirds and, and Blue Angels, but I didn't know about the others. Yeah, and I don't think any of them were rickety old B-52s. They were all current generation F-16s or F-18s. Yeah, so that's that big bucks as well as the skill of, of super pilots to fly those things. Yeah, sometimes it could be that something's up because they don't like losing their expensive toys. Uh, no. No. So, uh, 
anyway, that's of concern, and let's hope Neil Keenan gets something done here, and and we all get out of debt. And if if nothing else, uh, if anybody uh, listens to a replay here who happens to be a television producer, uh, watch that John Oliver link, and I think that could be blended into a weekly TV show. And then also watch this uh, uh, this other link uh, Ginger mentioned of the the deposition of of Hillary re- reenacted by. Uh, by articulate a- actors of of an actual legal event, I think that's a great idea for a TV show also, and maybe I love that. Could, yeah. I love that. I think that'd be good for all kinds of different things, not just this particular one. But I love the idea of it because it makes it real. Yeah, and people won't you know, read those words; they're too dry. May, maybe some somebody some, do it is different. Yeah, I'm just hoping some intelligent TV producer can blend the two ideas and and. My gracious, get a, a regular TV show going here and, and hire all of us on staff. <laughs> it really? Somebody's been fishing around on the 2014 talk shoes for this one, for Uda. I don't know why they want them. Maybe it's somebody that's in here and it's, you know, just somebody that heard me mentioning it, but it's the same ones again. Mm. It's August of 2016, I mean 2014, August 14th, I think it was. And December fourth of two thousand fourteen. Well, was maybe uh, it was me. Maybe it was me downloading them, but I don't think the host downloading them counts. I I don't know. Those mine, but well, uh, maybe you, you said something that that got somebody's attention. So. Well, I mean, to me, the only way that somebody would know because there's no indexing, there's nothing that shows anything about what <laughs> what we talk about if they could ever figure it out. But the date, if something important was happening around that date, somebody might be looking to see what people were saying about it. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, but I, I found it interesting because it's like most of the time, if anybody downloads anything, it's the recent one or two, you know, that maybe they missed and wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it's got massive following by any chance, but I do believe in that consciousness thing that says, you know, after a certain number of people hear or know about something that it actually makes a change. So that's, you know, one of the reasons I do it anyway. I don't care if it's hundreds of people. I know that there's an effect. It sets people's, um, you know, their thought process mine and it sets it in motion, makes me uh, stimulated to Explore another idea, and you know, there's people talk about what they see and hear, and it's just it grows. So I think it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I better sign off before uh, before whoever the mysterious party is calls in again. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope it's a good out. call. I hope so too. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks to everybody for uh, for enduring everything here tonight, and uh, uh, on my end at least, and uh, we'll hopefully see everybody next week then. Okay, good night for here. Good night. So I'm looking at what Dottie said about getting a letter from the New Jersey AG's office. Now that's interesting, Dottie, because I thought they were ignoring you, so I'm pretty pretty happy to hear that. Um, And she says someone is reading Facebook comments, listening to Internet radio. I'm sure that everything that anyone says or does these days is monitored, and especially people that are out there. Um, Every once in a while I go, you know, who am I 
who am I enraging? I won't say offending. I think I actually enrage people at times, but I I try to stay, you know, decent, civil, not let my um, anger come out too much because I do have anger. It's not usually shown all the time. I'm not one of those people that walks around angry all day long. But when it comes out, you know, step back about three feet because it's usually because it's been pushed down for a while and it's going to come out. Um, I can't think of too many times in my life where I've actually raged. Uh, But when I do, it's a sight to behold, apparently. From what I understand, it's quite a sight to behold because I just have to have justice. I want it. I want justice. Um, It's not. I can't just uh, gloss over things. When people are being wronged, I have to say something. So, anyway, talking about stuff as long as people are as factual as possible and telling the truth as much as possible, I can't see the harm in it. Um, Sometimes people let things out in advance of the harm that they see. In other words, they might tell something they don't realize that they shouldn't have said anything because now they've created some other issue somewhere else. But, you know, we can't worry about all those things. The the fact of the matter is that everything is so messed up right now that it's almost like you can't move without bumping into something that's going to be causing an issue for someone. I'm still of the viewpoint that people that are close to these issues, say they're like, you know, involved in banking or whatever, how can they not know what the deal is? They they have to know some of it at least. So to me, they're either ignorant by, by their own choice or they're complicit in this problem. And so I feel that there is you know, not a whole lot of... Um, love and understanding to be directed in, towards them. You know, it, I can't be like all sweet and light, what we call sweetness and light growing up. I can't be all sweetness and light towards a banker right now because I believe that they know what they're doing and they don't care. So it would be wonderful if we had some of these things straightened out. I know that as far as um, Mike Gill's issues that he's having over there in New Hampshire and like he said, you know, there's so many aspects to it. He can't, how does he approach this stuff? If he goes to any of these people and there are like judges recusing themselves and lawyers that have been on both sides of the situation, that shouldn't be happening. A lot of us have had these kinds of things going on in our life and we don't even know which, where the starting point would be because it's not just a straightforward dispute between two parties, but it, there's all these other parties involved in it. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but it, it's something that would take you the rest of your life to unravel. <laughs> What's the point of spending the rest of your life doing that? I think that they wear people down to the point where they won't fight back. Because, you know, it's like pointless after a while. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, right or wrong, and and um, my strategy right now is just try to be currently doing okay. 
And then if we have time, we're going to go back and do the other stuff, correct some of that other stuff. But, I mean, there I know there's people in this room right now who have lost tens of thousands of dollars and family over this type of stuff, like Mike Gill's talking about. You know, how do you compensate somebody for that, that they lost their business and they lost their assets and they lost their family and they lost their standing in the community, their reputation, et cetera, because of these people. You know, in the old days, we know what would have happened. They would have been challenged to a duel in the street. That's what would have happened. And we supposedly developed laws so that we didn't have to have vigilantism and justice in the middle of the road. And what we're seeing now is people getting shot because they're on their way to a meeting and somebody decides it's time for them to go, as in Lavoie Finicum. You know, we, we've got people who are put in jail for things like Desert Pete was just talking about. And then you got some kid who's a excellent swimmer, apparently, that can rape somebody behind a dumpster and get six months, which is worse, which is worse. I would say the injury to a person is way worse than somebody's didn't fill a form out right kind of thing. Just, you know, something's got to give here. And, you know, I don't want to see... A, civil war in this country. But, my gosh, it's not just uh, political parties against each other anymore. There's people in, in families that are at that point where they're becoming violent towards each other. They think it's okay. Okay, let's see what you guys are saying, and then I'm going to shut it down because it'll probably cut off my audio. If it does, I won't come back. I'll just wish you a good week and you know, see you next week and all that stuff. But the chat will stay on anyway, even if I disconnect. Let's see. Um, hello, callers. Please keep your conversations extinct. Please use real words. We have to see this stuff if we can. Planes kill folks and assholes kill people too. LOL. TV, you hope, Pete. James can plus his forehead. James, can, are you having like a conversation with yourself up there? the air getting thin or something and you're needing oxygen? I'm not sure. Right, GC, natural law is not that way. Justice is in your hand, not anyone else's. Stop all order followers and the one pays to give orders. Dottie is, let's see, she is, oh, she put up her, her uh, link to the interview with Mike Gill. Hey, I just want you to know that we missed you last week after you left. It made us feel sad. I don't want anyone to think they can't express themselves. Please always do it. Um, let's see. Um, Bell is talking about the cat. Vel has cats, and they're cool. And everybody, I mean, I just want to tell you I appreciate you. So even if all you do is show up, it's great. It's a lot better than just talking to the walls, you know? There aren't very many people around right now who even want to hear anything. I don't know if it's because they're afraid they'd have to do something if they accept it or if they just 
wanting to live out their life in peace and want to be left out of the negative actions that they see around them. That's what I that's some of what I see with my family and friends is that they just don't want to deal with that. They want to get up in the day and go through their day and be done. They don't want to deal with that. They don't really think there's a huge problem anyway. They think somebody's taking care of it. Well, we know who the somebodies are that are trying to take care of it. And it would be nice to have some help, but it's better to have help that's willing than help that you've forced into it. So I understand that part, too. Um, oh, good. Desert Pete figured out what the call was. Oh, I keep thinking, why would they call you so late? Well, it's not late there like it is here. It's uh, 20 minutes of 11 here. <clears throat> So, okay, well, I'm going to wish you guys a good night then, and I'll see you next week. Um, good Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise. That's what they always used to say. Or sometimes, not if I see you first. That was always a joke. See you next time. Not if I see you first. Um, I'll give you a couple of minutes to share links and say good night to each other and all of that. Thanks for being good people. We need more of us around somebody that cares about other people other than just themselves. That would be very, very nice. Okay, good night.